What's up, guys? That's Dope Podcast back, and we're in the studio. Josh here, your host, and Gonzo to my side, your other host, the other other host. And then we got Justin Varghese in the house, the OG host on the original That's Dope Podcast. Oh, man, the pressure right now. You know, full disclosure, this is the first time That's Dope has happened with me in the room where I have not done the intro. It feels great. It's like a weight off of my shoulders, to be honest. Like you're in the passenger seat, you don't have to worry about driving. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm. How's the car ride going so far? It's 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 good. You know, okay. I, I'm, you know, maybe there's 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 a little bit of Hearthstone action going on on the side. There's no Hearthstone action while we're driving. Side. Well, that's the thing. The I'm the driver. passenger. Okay, yeah, you, oh, get, yeah, you yeah. get to do that, right? I get to do whatever I want to. That's pretty true. I feel you. It's one of those things. Yeah. Now I'm not gonna lie. A lot of my my go-to, especially since, um, you know, being married and whatnot. A good chunk of it will be two screens of Pokemon Go open, right? <laughs> Just got to make it happen. You got you to spin both the stops at the same time. You got to make double curveball throws with one hand. One hand curveballs at the same time? Yeah. Oh Dude, I'm curve excellent in like a, like a mug. Am I, allowed to, am I allowed to say swear words? Yeah. I'm going to try, yeah. I'm gonna try yeah. to say less swear no, 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 words than it. I normally do. No, nah, screw it. You go ahead. Like, I mean, this is explicit. So yeah. if you listen to this podcast, you already know what you're getting You already know what you're getting Yeah, into. I mean, yeah, Josh just goes off, so. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't curse as much. It sounds unnatural when I do. Cool. <laughs> I'm trying to be, I guess, better about it. And, and I feel like, yeah, I mean, like... When I first met you, you were just going off at every sentence of, of like kids and old ladies all the time. It's like, Always. It, it was great. I, mean, I was just like, there we go. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like swear words, it's just like, man... It's it's kind of like that that uh, you know when you eat like a warhead or something like that, <laughs> or like yeah. some kind of like nice spice and it just like kind of elevates every corner of your mouth. You just throw <laughs> it in there, you know. Like honestly, there's some words that are just like the salt and pepper or like the paprika of like. I don't know, the seasoning universe in the swear word universe. Like, you just throw that in anywhere. It's like, all right, this is so much better. You I know? put that shit on everything. Exactly. <laughs> like Literally. I, I started cursing more. Because like, before, I used to, like, never. Like, I was like, against it. And you remember, right? Yeah, you remember. Yeah. And now I'm like, huh, shit actually feels pretty cool to say. It is. What did you know about that? Sometimes you can bust out the thesaurus and find <laughs> the words <thesaurus>. that... <laughs> You know, convey the meaning of you know, or or or, or replace the meaning of word like like you know, crab duty. Yeah. But sometimes you gotta be like, well, shit, man. <laughs> like it just it just works so well. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things where maybe if you say swear words all the time, the impact goes down. Oh, for sure. I feel like culture as a whole, like, is starting to get to the point. You know, like millennials, like, yeah. we just curse so much. You know, like fifties, they never cursed, right? Or at least in public. Yeah. And then it was like, <gasps> you said, damn. Now is it sort of like it cheapens uh, it for yeah, sure? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I'm now reminded, you know, being in the room that we're in right now. Yeah. In the My Hero movie. Yeah. There's two moments where Amma, it's like, shit. And yeah. You're like, Damn. Yeah, this is like, some serious business. Exactly because, all right. Yeah. Like, that was that was a movie for kids. So like, it, like, yeah. like I actually counted myself too. I, I, for me, it was more of a marketing aspect. But then when he did curse, I was like, oh, my word. Kids are in the room. <laughs> Strapping, folks. This right. is a PG-13 adventure. I mean, yeah, like when, like when that dude got shot. Like, I'm sorry for spoilers for, for people who hadn't seen the movie. If you missed out on the theater theatrical release, I'm sorry. It's going to be a while. But it's such a good movie. And like, I, I seen it three times. And spoiler, someone gets shot. And when that happened, I was like, this is a, from a PG movie to PG-13. Because, like, they just showed, up, like, the blood. Like, they didn't show him getting shot, like, really hardcore. But, like, you just see the blood splatter. And I'm just like, golly. Okay, that's the spoiler. Hey, you're going to watch this movie? Someone got shot. 
Oh, just making sure. Like, and that doesn't do anything. I mean, where like, people get mad. They're like, someone gets shot. How'd you? You know, I'm just like, I've, it's I've, two hours. Some someone's gonna get shot. Like, yeah, right. I mean, hey, you never know. I feel like that's a good spoiler because now when you go in, you have anxiety. Like every like, scene, you're just like, shot? oh my god. Okay. They, they, they cool. got a gun. Cool. This is gonna be it. Cool. This is gonna be it. Because some people get mad. Like when I'm like, oh, that guy got shot, and I'm just sort of like. You shouldn't get mad that I told you someone's gonna get shot. Yeah, I mean it's but, like it's like a detail. It's not like you're like you're like, all right, this it's, we're playing Clue here. This guy got shot in the ballroom with the candlestick by Professor Plum. Like chill, right? You should chill. chill. You should chill. Chill. I do. I do want to say. Okay, so I remember he mentioned his wife. Yeah. And um, I did want to say like I remember originally there was an episode before I was even on the podcast uh-huh. way back in like 2014 I think. Uh, y'all had an episode where you were talking to a friend of yours about yeah, his this, marriage situation. Yeah, this is bro talk. Before, before, yeah, exactly. Before we get into this, we didn't actually even explain who he is. Really? Okay. We haven't explained okay, who fair. he is, all right? So first of all, for all you guys who have been wondering who Justin Vargas is, first of all, he's the OG guy, OG creator of That's Dope from way back in the day. It was me and Justin uh, who set this up. He was the one who set this up. He bought the mixer, bought the mics, and like was the one who was like, let's have a podcast called That's Dope. And it was me and him. <laughs> And then he, he, you know, he got busy with his life, and you know, like you did, you're commentating. It was cool, uh, and it's now he's back. Part, so now it's all of three of us in the room, like all three hosts of that dope in the same room, which is huge because we hadn't had that happen for like three, four years. So right? Let me give you an actual intro of who he is because Godzilla missed a pivotal point in this movie's life. Pivotal. So he kind of he kind of scarcely went over it. Okay, so Justin started with Smash Bros, right? Let me explain this to you. He started with Smash Bros, a franchise that had no good commentators. Okay. (laughs) My man, you need to chill right now. Okay. Everyone's coming after you now, right? You need to chill right now. TK, you cool? Uh, (laughs) There's a lot of cool guys in there. (laughs) He's over here drinking his coffee. He's trying to act like he's not I don't know anything about that, though, right? (laughs) Uh, There's a a couple good commentators. I take that back. But... He went to that franchise like he went to uh, the local. It was um, what was the name of the? It was Infinity and Beyond by Attorney Locator. Yeah, at the time go... it was a uh, Project M Weekly. Yeah, and he would do it, and then he started branching into Smash Four, and he was a huge advocate for Smash Sixty Four, and that was like just his passion. He loved Smash games. Yeah, that's actually how me and Justin became friends, like Smash Sixty Four, and we still do that. Although you got rusty, I did get real rusty. <laughs> I did get really rusty, but but you're right. I, yeah. I mean, it's funny that you say the word friends which I think is a very operative term because I feel like after that first session that we had, I don't know if you wanted to be my no, friend. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> At like, least for like that, that night, you're just like, man, this kid. Man, screw this guy, screw this guy. Like, I guess straight up. Like, I, like so the way we first met, so way back, 2012, 2013? It was 2012. Okay, yeah, 2012, right? Yeah, I was wearing my Kingdom Hearts shirt. We were at this school function where we're eating pancakes. Like, that's what it was. Delta Hop, right? And you saw me, and it was like, I like your shirt. And I was like, wow, this guy's cool. He likes, he understands culture. (laughs) And then he was like, and then we started talking about Smash Bros. And then you were like, yo, I'm pretty good at this game. I was like, well, I'm pretty good at this game. And Okay, side note, Godzilla's not good at this game. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Look, I I feel like, you know what? At one point or another... Every single kid has been the best kid on their block or the best person that they know. True. Until they meet somebody like me. (laughs) And what's wild about that is I was that way until I met somebody who wasn't like me. Oh, man. That's the beauty of fighting games, my dude. Now, I'll be honest. That's a good point. He's not actually a professional Smash player. That's not his thing. 
Nope. Where this where he was going. <laughs> yes. Originally, I had to explain because we were still like going into like who he is like, the man on the other side. You of start the talking lobby. about pancakes. We were at, we were at the lobby. Yeah, we were getting pancakes. That's how we met. It's true though. All it right. is part of the story. All it right. is part of the story. Don't it's, you know who he is? I just want to say how he is. Like this is how we met. This is Justin right here. So we met. He came over to my house, kicked my ass at Smash Bros. I, I did. didn't know if I wanted to be his friends. And then he taught me the way of Smash Bros. And we became, we had a friend group around Smash Bros. And then he took Smash Bros. further and became a commentator. Yes. So, boom. That's where I was going. I was going deeper into the story, but uh, I'm just too saying, slow for Josh over here. There's the double standard from Josh <laughs> yeah. because, you know, you gave me, like, like the, uh, the the blurb intro, you know, which is fine. And Josh was like, whoa, 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 hang on. Let me do this right, okay? It he was the, the year thing. of it was the year of our Lord twenty thousand and eighteen. <laughs> on this beautiful day when we converged, like literally every detail that ever exists. I had to bring it up. You bro. had he, to bring it up. He because he's he's pivotal in the in this commentating <laughs> game right now. Saying so. I suck at trying to introduce someone. Okay, Josh. <laughs> let me let me let me scale things back a, a little bit for sure. Yes. I I still very much feel when it comes to things like commentary. Um, um, and I think that this is kind of like the mentality that's, that's made it so that I was able to grow as quickly as I did, um, is the fact that I'm a very small fish in a massive ocean, right? Um, what I noticed, you know, about other commentators, um, old and new, who were in the commentary scene, uh, especially for Smash in particular, because it was such a tight-knit, grassroots kind of game, is their... Um, benchmark of what was good and what wasn't good was defined by the people that were around them. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is the same problem with a kid thinking that he's the best in the neighborhood and therefore he's the best in the world, right? Is you essentially sell yourself short because your idea or, or the way that you measure what's good and what isn't good is with just a scale that isn't representative of the world around you. So when I got into Smash commentary, the big thing was not for me to say, I want to be a, a, you know, a really good Smash commentator. I was just trying to go in in a, in a perspective where I was like, I want to be a great commentator, period. Regardless right. of whether I'm compared to Smash commentators, regardless of whether I'm compared to hockey commentators, Counter-Strike commentators, right? I want to be on that level. Now, full disclosure... I feel like I'm not there yet. I really feel like I'm not there yet. And that's one of the things that gives me joy in doing the you know, commentary in particular is because it's one of those skills where I feel like I could work my whole life and never get there. And that's very exciting to me because it means that as long as I work on this craft, there's always going to be something to learn, some new technique, some new way to say a, a phrase or a word or something. Um, and it's, it's really exciting. Nothing else makes me feel that particular way. Wow, yeah, that's a good passion, honestly. Like, I, I, that's a good way to look at it. Like, you know, it would be sad if you're like, oh, I'm the best already. You know, I'd be like, man, this man's ego. But at the same time, you know, you know, <laughs> it's really cool that you like, you're like, there's so much to work on because there's so much I don't know about it. Exactly. Yeah. I remember because um, when we were living together, like all three of us lived together at one point and uh, he was like about grinding it out. Like he was always... Uh, talking to people, he met a commentator, like an actual sports commentator, at one point. Yeah, Josh, Josh Lewin, who um, did um, commentary for the Texas Rangers, actually uh, oh, wow. a couple years back. Um, I think he does it now for the Chargers and the Mets. I haven't followed up with his work as much, but he was super gracious. It's funny his his uh, his kid actually went to um, the Smash Four Weeklies, mm -hmm. you know, 
And he came up to me and he was like, hey, hey, JV, I'm a big fan of your commentary. I'm like, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. He's like, oh, my dad's also a big fan of your commentary. And he's actually a sportscaster. And I was like, what? That's yeah. wild. He told me who he was. And I was just blown away. And TLDR, Josh, super nice guy. You know, um, we had a really good, good, you know, convo on the phone. And then we emailed back and forth a couple times. And he gave me a whole bunch of great pointers um, and really helped me, like, kind of, like, with that mentality. It re- reaffirmed that idea of, like making sure that you set you know a high bar and a high standard for what you what you would measure right he was the guy who was telling me you know like you know if you got into sports commentary this is some things that you would look into as well right you know and i remember you were the first one to introduce to me personally like the play by play and the uh, the color guy yeah. so it was like the color commentator what was that um so essentially like when because we we duoed a couple times for smash mm-hmm. 4 because at for smash 4 i understood the game but jv as you can hear him speaking clearly like right now, he's very eloquent with how he speaks and how quickly words come to his head. And, you know, he can convey that to people. So he would do play-by-play. And he would just talk. Like, we'd be, a game would be playing out, and he'd be like, okay, this is happening. Now this is happening. Now this is happening. And that's the play-by-play guy. He's telling you exactly what's happening. He's getting walled out right now. And then I would be more, um, I'd be more along the lines of, well, I guess you were a little bit more color for that one. See, I mean, the way that I always phrase it, right, it's the play-by-play person they're telling you what's happening, right? right. And that's what they find interesting. Whereas the color analyst, they tell you why it's happening. And I felt like, you know, whenever we would be on the mic together, I recognized that I'm really good at talking about the what. I can tell I can yeah. tell the, the big moments well, things like that. Um, but what I lack is deep integral knowledge that comes from being a player in mm-hmm. particular. And that's what you brought to the table because you had a very unique blend of not only being a Smash player, but also being an MMA fighter as well. And to me, I tried to, whenever we were on the mic, I tried to set it up to a point where you would be able to really flex both of those strengths and have a unique flavor onto the mic, right? It, it was interesting because he was, he really did cut, like, people, are, I don't think they noticed it. I remember one time, uh, one of the tournament uh, TOs came up to us and was like, yo, that was really good. And he was like, hype about how good we sounded on the mic. But honestly, it was because Justin was like, yeah, you could be like, okay, well, Josh is earning points. But really, it was more Justin alley-ooping to me constantly like he would kind of carry the ball all the way up court and I was just kind of a big guy into the rim and he would just throw it to me like okay take it you know what I mean and it set me up because he'd be like yo so what do you what do you think's happening right now and I'd be like oh shit uh I think <laughs> you know what I mean and I would start going but it, it was really fun because I understood that dynamic I started understanding that that was kind of like what was needed and he started kind of to me I never saw that from smash players I literally saw people just talking over each other kind of and just like trying to say what's happening and like, oh my God, this is happening. Oh my God. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't really need that. And Justin made it sound very professional. And then I think it proved the point because you ended up being, uh, you got a little deal with, was it Blizzard? Yeah, I, I did a couple events for Blizzard, which was really, really cool. Um, I did some work for the Pokemon company as well. It's cool. They actually sent me um, a, a, a limited edition Christmas ornament. And they, they apparently make uh, one Christmas ornament, you know, every, every year for their staff, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And some of the, the folks that they work with, like uh, contractors and, and figureheads in the Pokemon community. And it's a unique Christmas ornament every single year. So I have one of those That's so from dope. last year, which was so cool. And, I, you know... Definitely one of the one of the one of the best things I, I've gotten out of my casting career. It's just such a neat memento, um, and my wife loves it a lot too because she's obsessed with Pokemon. I mean, you know, when yeah. it comes to Pokemon, I feel like especially with the games, I'm kind of like Ash. You know, I'm just like, yeah, let's let's catch that, let's catch this. My wife is totally red. 
100%. She's just like, man, these IVs are garbage. I don't even care. It's not really meta right now. I'm not going to worry about it. Like, what? Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's wild, crazy, man. man. Like, and I mean, <laughs> it just it just goes to show you how, how far he's come because he had a job as a salesperson for a company for a while. You were doing sales. I think it was electronic sales, right? Yeah, it was, I, it was um, IT um, technology and services. Right. Yeah. And he wasn't very happy with that job. I remember him coming home and just kind of see, he'd come back in his suit and he'd come home and be like, man, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm really just tired. <laughs> and that's kind of him. I was like, oh, damn. Like, I barely knew Justin. Like, I knew Justin, but like 60% of what I know now. And then he would just go upstairs and go to sleep. And I was like, okay, you know, like, that's just, that's old man Justin doing his thing. And then, like, when he got his uh, new job, he started trying to really go into commentating. And he started getting, like, all these different ventures approaching him with different ideas. Like, yo, we need you for this. We want you for this. And he took off, man. And, I mean, he doesn't have to work for sales anymore. <laughs> doing your thing. I, I like it. And uh, I guess backtracking all the way back to the beginning, um, you and your wife, it, it's this amazing combo because... Like, I remember when I first heard his podcast, I was all about it. I loved it. They were short. They were like 20 minutes or so. Um, but it was God's one, Justin. And I would always listen to it while I was driving back and forth from work. I was a bartender at the time. So I was always on 75. And you're going to be on 75 for at least a week. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so you'd have to listen to our podcast like hundreds of times. Yeah. I listened to a couple episodes Between a commute. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, when are y'all going to come out with more stuff? When is this going to happen? And just like, oh, yeah, we're working on it. And um but he had an episode with a friend that was about his friend getting married and how married life was. And I remember really liking that episode and be like, okay, that's interesting. Because I didn't, under honestly, I don't understand how relationships work still to this day. I'm confused. But he's with his wife now and it's, it's so interesting to see how he's grown. And I'm like, tell me, how is this married life? Because your girl's a 10, man. As far as like overall package, she's just amazing as a woman. So like, how have things changed? What have you learned? Married life, honestly, it's incredible. I, I'm I'm not gonna you know tone it down or anything, but but it's awesome. I, in some ways, it's it's still you know very much the same thing. You know, especially when you've been with someone for a while and you and you know like this is the person that you want to be with. Like you know, the the engaged and pre-engaged feelings are all kind of still there. But now it's more so like wow, this is somebody who I'm gonna try to build a legacy with, and that's so wild to me because it's one thing to to love somebody and just you know love who they are in the moment. And it's another thing, I think, when you're trying to build the love into something that lasts, like, even when y'all are gone, which right. I think is is kind of kind of wild in and of its own. And it's 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 awesome too. <clears throat> you know, I, I um, my wife right now, she's actually it's it's funny. She just got an awesome new job. Like she, I'm gonna gush about my wife. I'm go just ahead, bro. Go ahead and gush for a minute. My wife is one of those people who, if she wanted to, she could be CEO of a company someday. I, I know 100% if my wife, like, you know, really applied herself and put her, put her mind to it, she'd be so much more successful than me. And he's not even lying. Like, let me, let me, let me just, like, uh, preface this whole story before he goes in any deeper. His wife is better than yours. I need you to understand that right now. <laughs> All right? <It's laughs> Go true. ahead, Justin. <laughs> it's true. It's 100% it's true. It, it, it's, it's funny, too, because there have been so many times when, when I'll, I'll, you know, be at a party or something like that, and I'll be playing Smash mean some dude or whatever and my wife will come over and, and she'll play a couple games and you know um just go off and some dude will be like yo bro so uh y'all uh y'all things like yeah man that's my wife she's your wife yeah man <laughs> i'm proud of you and it's really weird when like some dude's like i'm proud of you and you're just like you know like i feel like in some ways it's almost like insulting in the sense it's just like really you 
of all the dudes she could have picked, she ended up with you. Like, but at the same time, I find it to be like very endearing at the same time too, because it, it's like a very special thing. Yeah, and it's like a very, very genuine thing too. Because I'm not a dude. Who, you know, full disclosure, I'm not a dude who's just like Mr. Moneybags, right? I'm not a dude who's you know making like an insane amount of money or or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to know that like I was able to have somebody in my life who you know the world sees, I guess, is externally very beautiful. But I know not only externally but internally very beautiful is such a blessing and, and like such a treat to know that it's one hundred percent genuine and that there's no external motivations or anything like that behind it. Um, it's incredible. So, but, what do you have like? Because the thing with her, like, one of the things I admire about her is that she's very. Uh, strong as a woman, like she has her opinion, and she's open for change, but she's very strong. Like you could, you can tell. Yeah, you know what I mean. You can tell she doesn't like you. You'll know decently quick. Yeah. Um, my thing is like w- with y'all's relationship. How do you? What do you have to say to people who are struggling, like kind of on the outsider, wondering if they should start a relationship with somebody? Guys like me. <laughs> like yeah, you have you have a girl. Like, we said we're talking to a girl. How do you know it? Like you know what? Maybe I should take the next step, or would you just know all you know from the beginning? How how does that all work? Every relationship is different, um, and I'm not going to try to apply or or say that my relationship experience and the journey that that my wife and I have taken is something that's going to apply for every single relationship. That being said, I feel like there's a a couple of golden nuggets, if you will, that um, are applicable in in every healthy, successful relationship. Um, For starts, do y'all trust each other? I think that that's the biggest thing, you know, with my wife and I is that we have such a strong level of trust. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things where, um, like I said, she's in Chicago right now for her job, right? And I'm here and neither one of us is that paranoid person who's checking each other's phone, seeing the, the, the message history or anything like that. You know, we have the total trust that, you know, we're a team and also we both care about each other deeply. So logically, would it make sense for us to do something that would be really crappy to the other person that would really hurt them? Because it's, you know, we're the same person. And if I'm hurting her, then I'm hurting myself, essentially. So right? it's not just like, that's interesting, because like, that means we can we can kind of break that down and be like, it's not just about uh, whether or not you did something or not. It's more about whether or not they trust you to not do anything. Absolutely. Trust is more important than that. Like... That means if the girl, even if you haven't cheated, we'll say that, uh, if the girl is questioning you constantly, it's probably not. Because no. that, that little seed of doubt will yeah. flourish eventually. Because it's like, again, if you, if you go back to like, you know, thinking about a relationship as if you're building a house. If you have a really crappy foundation that's full of mistrust, then the house is going to topple over whenever the first storm hits. Right? Right. That's one thing that my wife and I have is we have a really strong foundation. You know, that doesn't mean that, you know, I, I paint this as if it's a relationship where we've had no hardships whatsoever or anything like that. I mean, we've we've had tough times, you know, we've had times where um, we fought and and things like that. But, uh, you know, one thing that that um, my dad told me, um, and I think it's good advice in general, is try to resolve everything before you go to bed. Um and and that's something that's, you know. Wow, it's I think that it's 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 really really strong advice. Of, again, that might not make sense every single time. You know, you can't ha- necessarily always have like the neat, tidy, you know, storybook ending in twenty minutes like you would in a cartoon, right? But I think it's really important to, to just you know, at the very least, not go to bed angry with each other and and try to you know, even if things aren't perfect, they're at least 
at some sort of of of, of neutral. They know that you care enough to at least try to talk to them. Exactly, about it. exactly. That's yeah, extremely it, profound for it, like such a basic. <laughs> and and that's one thing you know. My my wife w- was was telling me you know in previous relationships it's really common for her because because she's one of those folks where like if she's angry then she'll be really angry at first and she'll in previous relationships she'd have to basically like you know go to a park or something like have her alone time so she could collect her thoughts and then come back and um you know be able to say okay this is how i'm feeling this is what happened and you know this is what i think we should do about it i'm not that guy at all i don't give her any of that space whatsoever when it comes to letting her you know like like she's like i just need to be alone right now i was like i'm like no let's let's take care of this right now let's go on i can because i know i can take it you know what i mean like if if you know whatever i i know my wife wanted to the point where if something is said in a moment i I make sure i don't hang that over her head Mm -hmm. because i know that that came from a place where um you know emotions were running high and you, you know you, your minds tend to you know skip a beat and, and and produce something that's very unfiltered at the moment and i know that it's not an accurate representation of who that person is and because i'm able to know that and again like i'm able to ha- you know have that strong foundation it makes it so that whenever it comes to things like conflict resolution within a relationship you know it's it's much simpler i think like my wife and i have never had that fight where you're cussing each other out where you're just like fuck you i hate you you know you you know i never want to see you again we've never had that that fight ever because we're able to you know i think in those moments you know without needing to separate you know and then come back after a week of thinking or whatever we're able to identify very quickly like okay this is what happened this was the mistake that was made on both parties let's just you know try to resolve that and try to be better people off of it right and i yeah. think that if you can just keep doing that over and over again then you'll, you'll be fine relationship wise honestly dang i, I just want to say like i'm just marveling like just like the wisdom that you're just putting out there you know because <laughs> like sorry i don't mean to roast you right now or anything but you no know, roast away in, man. in the beginning you know like when we all started when we all met I mean, to be honest, you were the more hopeless one out of all of us, in a sense, you know? Like, you have charisma, like, out the wazoo, you know? But, you know, we all just were, like, the the heartbreak club of sorts, right? <laughs> and then, like, I'm just, like, and then now, like, you're really winning, you know? Like, you you won the game, one. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Right, right. God's what, Ed season was part of the heartbreak club? I, I mean, okay, h- hang on, hang on. You're clowning on the man, right? But I'm saying I've always been a big proponent that that Godzilla is a great looking dude. Godzilla fact, is a great looking dude. Always, even pre-dreads. His 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 speech patterns didn't match it's, <laughs> his it's appearance the, at all. It's one of those things where I feel it. like I don't know. I always felt like you know I'll, I'll go ahead and say what everybody's thinking. I was always the least attractive bunch uh, one in the bunch by far by far okay i'm lanky kong every time every time i'm lanky kong all right i got no style i got no grace i got a funny face i am what i am that's not true i mean hey like you had the charisma like i can't handstand when i need to or stretch my arms out really i actually do have some orangutan arms if you think about it yeah i mean you could have been a boxer if you wanted to man you could have you could have went that route I remember one day we tried to teach you. I, I tried to teach you like a couple years ago, 
And I had to relate everything to Smash Bros. or fighting games because otherwise you wouldn't understand the concepts. I mean, hey, like that's how I best get it too. But yeah, no, I, I know what you mean though. But I mean, hey, you you're out here one of the first ones of us to get married, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, it's kind of, it kind of saddens me because like every time I think of another friend getting married, I'm like, it's not gonna be as good as that wedding. <laughs> that's, that's literally what I like. It's the first thing that runs through my mind. I'm like, it'll be all right. I'll go. Yeah, for me, I'm like, you know, I'm gonna wait until it gets as good. You know, like I'm not gonna just sort of dive into it. I mean, now that I got these dreads, you know. <laughs> no, man, I'm, I'm literally, I'm literally planning. On, I'm waiting for one of our friends to get married and blow it, like have a terrible wedding, so then I can have my wedding after that and be like, okay, mine's all right, mine's okay. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to just like it's hard to follow up. It's 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 like he's Richard Pryor, and I'm like an unknown. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm coming on after. See, it's funny because when I think about our wedding, right? Um, there is there's a lot of people that are just like y'all. There's like. That was an incredible wedding, man. It's such a perfect wedding. But it's one of those things where I look back and I'm just like, man, there were just a couple things that really irked me about that day. Uh, you know, especially I remember like that was one thing that I guess some some uh, behind the scenes information. Oh, yeah. That, I'm curious. I was like, what happened? I, so, I thought it was great. So during I remember like I wasn't stressed out during the wedding, but I was very stressed out during the reception. Very stressed out. Seriously. Yeah. And the reason why was because um, I remember, like, you know, I had an idea on, like, how our MC would sound and kind of how they would carry the night and things like that. And I wanted it to be, a, like, a, a situation where nobody was bored. It was like, boom, 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 event, 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 right? And instead, it was, like, a lot of dead air, you know? And Which was okay, I guess, in hindsight, because it gave people time to eat and talk, and talk amongst yeah. themselves and things like that. But I was just like, why is this guy not doing this? And why is this guy not doing this? And why is he not doing this? And he, honestly, during like our, our first dance, my friend was just like, okay, I can't believe I'm the one who has to say this, but you just need to relax and just have a good time. <laughs> which is funny because it's, you know, very much, you know, uh, you know, I'm usually the guy who plays that role to my wife. In a lot of cases, right. But it was one of those moments where you know she's just like you know just it's our, it's our wedding, just relax, don't worry about it, just have a good time with it. Um, and it helped so much because after that I was just like you know what this guy sure he didn't really let anybody know that we were doing our cake cutting or anything like that. Wow. But you know what? I even noticed. Oh fuck. Yeah. Me <laughs> it was it was such a good time overall. Yeah, exactly. But yes, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They were kicking in the corner. Like they yeah. were in the kitchen cake. <laughs> they didn't even bring it out. Yeah, our photographer was like, uh, do you want, do you want me to tell that guy to make an announcement about it or something? Which by the way, shout out to the homie Will being the best photographer. Seriously, that man I cannot say enough good things. I'm not sponsored by Will. I'm going to sound like I'm sponsored by Will. Like, <laughs> hey, put him on. Put him on. Like, put, put, him, put him in here, too. Will was like one of those folks where I was I was thinking, we, we had an awesome crew for our wedding overall. Like our videographer, Aaron, made an incredible video. Um, man, I still I still watch that sometimes, and I still get a little misty-eyed, especially that part when all my, all my relatives give me the blessings. Man, that. Honestly, that was a deep, like, okay, so something I loved about your wedding, which is something I hope to take into my part when it happens one of these days, but, you know, like, it's, um, so you come from an Indian background, for mm -hmm. sure, right? And a lot of your family is Indian, like, they came from India, right? Yep. Yeah, and, you know, for me, being an immigrant, to, from an immigrant family, too, right? But also having this nerd culture side, for sure, and I'm probably going to marry someone who's probably not Nigerian, maybe, who knows, right? 
And something that has stressed me out way before any of this is like, how am I going to make all this work? But, you know, like, it's like, this is, this could be just a giant cluster. But seeing like how your family did it, seeing all the traditional sides that happened like the night before of like your whole family coming together and praying over you and like just seeing like that whole party, seeing the whole reception, uh, both sides uh, of like the receptions um, and seeing the families come together and making such a positive uh, moment happen. You know, it was like that gave me a lot of hope. You know, and it also seemed like all the friends that were there too. You know, like I was like, man, this is like what it's really about. Seeing the people throughout the years who came through from all over the U.S. and like really making this such a celebratory moment. It it was beautiful. Like this, it was honestly like one of my favorite weddings to have gone to. Yeah, Yeah. I I mean, I feel like something that 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 my wife said, you know, before we were married. Um, that I think was really, really key in, in, in making everything feel and turn out the way that it did was that this isn't an American wedding. This isn't an Indian wedding. This is our wedding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that made it really nice in the sense that I felt like we had like a good blend of, yeah. of everything, right? Like, um, I don't know. One thing that I love about when, when I look over like the wedding pictures, um, and I notice it a lot, especially when I go to other weddings, it's just like, the wild mix of people that we had in there, right? Like it was just like a beautiful sea of people of all sorts of backgrounds and and beliefs and ethnicities, um, and to see everybody get along so well was, I think, the perfect um, coda. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but I'll just go like with that. coda <laughs> of Shannon and my relationship. Because we're both two people from two very different backgrounds, right? Two different cultures entirely, two different upbringings. Um, But we were able to come together um, and really find and and cherish not only our similarities, but also our differences to, you know, make our relationship what it was. And to see, like, our friends um, kind of play a big part of that and our family play a big part in that. Um, Even with, like, the makeup of who was at the wedding, that was... I mean, it was just incredible. It was such a unique fiber, just all, all woven together. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm talking nonsense right now. No, no, emotional this is, this about is beautiful, honestly, man. <laughs> man. Yeah, right. Like I was, I was even thinking, like, man, this is like so good. But man, we got in, like so somber and emotional in a way I wasn't expecting. That's but, how you like, know. Uh, that's how you know when you love somebody. Man, is, and, and and that's not saying that like you know when you'll know you love somebody whenever you a, a microphone's put in front of you and you're asked like a simple question about them and you can't stop talking. That's how I love my wife, and the way my wife loves me is a totally different thing i feel like if you put her on this she'd be really like shy and coy about it but what her the the way that she loves me in my opinion is one where it's more like man this is something that only you get right it's not like the love where she's gonna jump from the top of the mountain be like i love my husband it's more so like this is like a part of me that only you get to see and this love is reserved like just for you and just for me. Because I remember when we were unique. younger. I, I I remember when we were like uh, 23, 24. There's a bunch of memes and people like always dropping like love. This is what love looks like. All other bullshit. <laughs> it's like I really feel like people need to stop com- like comparing things is like one of the worst things you can do. Especially when you compare yeah. people because people are so different. Like I'm not. Re- I'm, I'm never gonna take my relationship with Marco, my friend Marco, and compare it to God's will. They're different people. Very I, different. Like there is no comparison. Like if you want to do that, if you want to talk somatics and like just compare like well this girl did this why would I ever you're not a good girlfriend she does this for this guy all the time like that's you're already on the wrong track like you're looking at the wrong things you're looking for what she can do for you I feel and Mm -hmm. I feel like we're already 
in the wrong area. Yeah. I think um, here's a golden nugget that I think applies to pretty much every good relationship is um, make it less, like you said, make it less about what the other person can bring to you and make it more so about what you can do for them. Right? I think that... Dang, JFK. <laughs> ask not what your partner can do for you, but what you can do for your partner. He, he thought he was slick, right? He just, he literally rephrased it. It was like, yo, check this out. I just thought of this. No, no, but, but it's true. <laughs> but it's true, though. It, like, is, it right? is true. Okay? Fight, fight, it's 100% true. You know, I, I think that self, there's, there's a very big difference between selfless relationships and selfish relationships, right? Um, and you all, you know, especially when it's the right person, you need to, you know, you'll know it's the right person when you lean more towards, you know, the selfless side rather than the selfish side. Um, and that's, that's something that I'm, I'm sure, like, if you talk to any, any person with a successful relationship, they'll tell you that, that very same thing. Like, I, I know that, you know, um, it's not necessarily like, I'm going to buy flowers for her every single day, right? Because, again, people convey love in different ways. Right. You know, it's just, it's little things. Like, I don't know, I remember one day, you know, recently, like, my wife, you know, made a smoothie in the morning, and she she filled up a little Solo cup for me with that smoothie uh, just so I'd be able to drink it really easily on my commute to work because I have such a long commute to work, you know? And it sounds so dumb, but it's like it's like just like the way that she made it, and then the you know it was one of those things where like it was kind of for her, but it was for me too. Right. I, I get it though. Like you know she what cares. I'm it's yeah. just that like she thought about it. Exactly. And that's what really matters because like this is gonna be this is like a very. It's not like when you when you first get with somebody and you're like I'm going to take you to the state fair. We're gonna do this, and then I'm gonna yeah. take you here. And we're gonna do this. But it's a sustainable love. Yeah. It's not just like a, I'm just showing up to to impress you real quick. This is like she does just little things throughout the day, and she's like, hey, maybe we should invite your friends to this. Or I th- hey, I think as a culture we get. And, and this is something that, that piggybacking off of what y'all said about comparing relationships, as a culture, especially um, with how big social media is, um, I think one of the downfalls of a lot of relationships is that it becomes almost a competition, mm-hmm. especially when you see people who are married, or, or not married, but who are in relationships. Um, they'll always post like, oh, my man got me flowers. He surprised me at work with, with flowers. Here we are at a really nice restaurant, you know? And what it does is that it paints... I think are a really bad representation of what relationships are. A lot of people right. think that you're in a good relationship because it's like all the things that you see online. But the reality is that great relationships, they're not the Instagram worthy moments. They're everything else. That's where the core is. Cause you could take any person to like a great steakhouse and have a great time and have a great night, but to have like a great relationship, it's the moments that don't get posted. I actually remember Elon Musk was saying something like that recently on a podcast where he was like, people see things on Facebook or Instagram, and he's like, I, he believes it actually contributes to some of the depression that does Absolutely. happen. He's like, because they'll see this and be like, oh my God, these people are living these great lives. They're doing this. Yeah. They're doing this. Here's some photos of them doing this. That's not their real lives. Like, no. what, what, what's happening online is like their ego more than anything else. It's what they want to, they, they're showing you what they want to show you online. They're not showing you when they tripped and hit that rock on the, you know what I mean? Like, they're not showing you all the mistakes they're making when they got fired from their job. They're not, they're not bringing that photo up. Or here's a picture of me and my boss. He's yelling at me because I showed up late again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I agree 100% with that as well. Because again, it, you know, beyond just relationships, I think it gives us like a, a, an unmeetable expectation on what life is or what life should be. Right. Right. Life, life, we're all having struggles. I feel like, that, that's kind of 
it, it's kind of a weird thing because I feel people do this. We were talking about it earlier too. I don't. I'm not going into politics. We are not doing that right now at this moment. Damn. <laughs> the no but, politics zone. <laughs> I want to talk about Kanye. <laughs> okay, but I'm gonna do what you want. But essentially, like I, I see a lot of times where it's like you'll see. Um, I have friends who are lower, like lower class, lower financial class. What, what would that be? Uh, I think you got to write the first people. time. <laughs> they're they're they more broke. broke. Yeah, they're more broke. They ain't doing nothing with their lives. They trying. The ones on the government check. <laughs> nah, man. Yeah, so I, I have friends who are a little bit lower lower on that, that social hierarchy. And I have friends who are way up. And, you know, I go to Deep Elm and I pay 8000 for my apartment because it's it's in the district. You know, like it's like some shitty ass apartment. And they're paying like dumb amounts of money for it. I have friends on both sides of this thing. So, but I always see them like comparing to each other. They'll be like, well, that guy, they never had it hard. They don't understand it. The the rich, okay, the people who have the money, they have different problems. That's all it is. Absolutely. Like, you have to, like, yeah, okay, they're not used to seeing people get shot in front of them. They don't have that emotional um, fortitude, possibly. But they do have different issues. Like, there are financial problems. There are things like, you know, investments and in what, what their parents want from them and things like that. There's just different. True. Ways no, no. I agree. Okay. Okay. So, like, like here's a bit of my philosophy too, because like I do agree. Like everyone does have problems. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm wondering how we got to this point because you know, I was still feeling a little emotional from what Justin's been saying about like, <laughs> relationships. I'm like, man, I hope that happens for me one day. Uh, yeah. Well, sure, guys. We'll have sure. a podcast where God will cries for three minutes. I'm about we'll, to. We'll let that. We'll release that later. I'm about to. But, but no. Back, back, back to you. I guess like what you're saying about problems or people having problems. Like I do agree with about that. Like everyone has problems, and we should remember that. But then again, I, there is like a scale of problems you know like where it's like okay i do feel more sympathy for the person who's around gunfire and about like about to be homeless you know versus yeah. the guy who's like oh no you know i think like like oh no i can't get the ps4 pro because you know okay, that, i guess that's not, that's you not know, actually a problem that's being spoiled i'm talking about like like oh i don't know if i'm gonna make it into college and i'm stressing right now true that's a problem like because your your family all made it into college and you mm-hmm. just just because you're born rich doesn't mean you were born intelligent as hell it's true and you're just like shit like my brother made it into college i don't know if i'm gonna be able to pull it off like there's people who are in the hierarchy of society and they're just not you know it's not easy for them true okay, say what you say what you're about i'm just gonna say you know there's maslow's hierarchy of needs right mm-hmm. uh, which you know obviously very bottom you know, it, it goes from it goes from very simple survival. things like food and shelter, mm-hmm. survival mm-hmm. to like self actualization. I feel like there's there should be a separate little pyramid that's just like problems, just a hierarchy of problems, right? Yeah, because yeah. problems. Here's the thing. Here, here's where I will try to like uh, explain myself a little better. I agree that I feel like my friends. I, I do have more sympathy for my friends who are struggling consistently. We're always talking about it and like what we can do to get them out of those situations. But then there's also it's subjective. Um, problem subjective like you know what i mean to the person yeah. to them at that moment like when we were in junior high and that girl uh you asked out she was like oh, i don't think so and you got like immediate anxiety you know she's gonna tell all her friends oh my god oh, i'm man. such a loser like to you at that moment that was a problem you see what i'm saying like so to yeah, you yeah. It, it hurt now i'm not gonna say like i have kids I, i'm always talking to and they have a little problems like well i don't know this homework is due and this and this girl doesn't like me and she's not talking to me and she's getting all my friends to not talk to me and i'm like you could be that guy i could be the older guy and be like hey listen this is just junior high who cares mm-hmm. they don't matter in the grand scheme of things or i can be compassionate and be like yo right now in your life this is important to you and i get it listen like and try to talk her through it best you can that's a good that's a good way to put yeah. it because i mean that's exactly true um because also, I guess whenever I have problems myself, you know, like I always try to think about like, okay, what do I have? 
you know? And then like, what do I have to like help me get out of this problem? But overall, it's like, is this problem like big in the grand scheme of things? We're right? old enough to understand that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, like yeah, I, I, I like I sort of hope that for like as people our age too, or you know, at least people in my friend group, like where it's like, what is my problem in the grand scheme of things? You know, like is this like a problem that's gonna get me killed or fired or you know it's just some sort of minor inconvenience right now of something that I can possibly fix and yeah. like, that always helps me and you, I think the way you're going about it is correct too I think if we can like sort of like get a mixture of it like where it's like okay your problem is a problem for sure and then like let's try to fix that problem but also at the same time don't stress out about it too much if it's not a problem that's gonna get you know mess right. up your survival of sorts I guess right Bringing right. this back a little bit to relationships, you know, this conversation reminds me a lot of one that I had with my first girlfriend in college, right? Was it the um, Indian girl? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's a big old no for me. Was there, was there, was, there was a couple before that? I try, to, I try to make it a point to learn something from every relationship I'm with. I think she was the exception. Yeah, so you're like, you're like, you're like the symbiote of relationships. You're constantly just picking things up. No, I mean, oh man, what that bad? Huh? You were so we. You knew me back then too, huh? That's wild. Yeah, she. Yeah, that's wild. Okay, whatever. This is this is well before that. This is well before you knew me or anything like that. This was 2011, right? Oh shit! Yeah. So yeah, so a while back. Yeah, I I, knew, I know her, right? No, you don't know her. I don't know her. No. Oh, you okay. know of her, I'm sure. Okay, because you know we've we've talked about. Okay, you know I have a. I'm just I, trying to make sure, like in my head, is like is this the one that I'm thinking of? But okay, I if guess I not. S- if I sound like some sort of relationship guru who's just had, you know, a, a long laundry list of wildly successful relationships, no, I've gotten it right one time. I've <laughs> gotten it right one time. He's gonna hold on to that he's one hold time. Hold on to that. It's the only dub I need for the rest of my life. All right, that's it. That's it. I have a very limited amount of exposure when it comes to relationships in, in, in general. Um, but I was really lucky because I feel like for the most part, you know, I had really great relationships. Um, my first relationship in particular, um, I'm not going to go into specifics or anything like that in regards to kind of what, what she had been through, but she had gone through um, a lot, to say the least. She had uh, a slew of medical problems. Um, in the past, there, there was um, some really bad incidents that had happened to her, a very very, very incredibly traumatic incidents, right? Do those kind of shape you and your thoughts on things currently? I mean, I, I think that what she said is something that, that has had a lasting impression on me in regards to how I, I, I kind of view things, especially the conversation that we're having right now. Because mm-hmm. I remember having like, you know, going through some stuff and I remember telling her, you know, like, well, compared to everything that you're going through, it just feels like my stuff is nothing. I should just get over it. And she said, look, you know, Everybody has their own set of problems, and mm-hmm. that does, you know, just because my problems are it, one way doesn't mean that your problems aren't meaningful. Exactly. And it's, you know, everybody has their stuff, was basically the, 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 the life lesson I took away from that. And I think that it's really important to know, like, true, I feel like in our, in our own way, you know, I think we'd all love to be making Elon Musk levels of money if we wanted to, right? But, you know, you have to have conversations around like, well, what about like the mental fortitude that somebody like that has or the lack of mental fortitude rather that somebody like that has, right? Like there's always going to be these kinds of trade-offs. And even talking about money, I think there was like a study that came out a couple years ago and it said that, you know, if you have, if you're making over, I think $70,000 a year, um, then you're pretty much 
at your optimal happiness in regards to the law of diminishing returns, right? So for those of you who are listening who don't know what that is, basically the law of diminishing returns, like just to illustrate it very simply for you, if you're craving a burger and you go to In-N-Out, you get one burger, you're going to feel pretty happy. That's a big jump. If you get the second burger, you might feel a little bit more happy. You're like, you know what? I'm feeling, you know, let me treat myself to the second burger. All right? Whatever. By the time you get that third burger, it actually is proven that your happiness not only plateaus, but as the number of burgers increases, the happiness declines. Right? Right. So there's a point, right, where you're optimal happy before it plateaus or anything like that. Um, and if you have any more, then you're just going to have more and more problems. And I think that what the study showed was that that number was $70,000. Because at that moment... I, I know exactly what you're talking about. You're not really worried. Like, you're not living paycheck to paycheck, right? As long as you're living well within your means, which is a totally different conversation. Right. Right? Because especially with the advent of social media, there's a lot of 30K millionaires out there that are just like, yo, first round's on me. It's like, boy, Glassdoor exists. LinkedIn exists. I know exactly how much money you make. Don't be spending a thousand dollars on this first tab right now. All right. I mean, I'll take it. it but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's dumb. I I love how you you said that again. That's kind of why we we brought him back. But <laughs> my thing is like, I guess to sum it up, it, to, to give you an extreme, it's like uh, if I were if Godzilla came up to me, he was like, man. My job is rough right now. He doesn't do this, but like if he came up and he was like, my job is rough, I'm about to get fired, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. And I was like, hey, guys, will shut up. There's kids in Africa who are starving. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's definitely, yeah, you're right, but his, his own problems matter. Yeah, and it's wild because, you know, funny enough, I think the people who are so quick to, to criticize, you know, wealthy people for having problems are the same people who say it's very important for us to focus on mental health. But you can't say that without recognizing that the you know the upper one percent also has issues with mental health. Yeah, you know it's it's again like something that I see a lot in society is people um, willing to completely contradict themselves as long as it makes themselves seem better or smarter. Y'all want to talk about Kanye West? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> like I, I now you brought that up. like now you brought that up. I was like, oh, like because I was thinking like, like can't the one percent just like go to like therapy more often and like have the you know the healthcare to like get that problem take care of? But then it's like, oh wait, hold up, we just have something in the news that just happened where Kanye West had a manic breakdown on I, I live TV. I don't know if we could talk so much about Kanye because I'm seeing Josh right now. Like, there's can you read the sign? It says a no politics zone. God's no. will, all right? I mean, it's just like, no. I'm, I'm cool talking about it. I'm just like, at the same time, just like one of those things where I was like, um, we, I feel like everyone knows what's going on with Kanye. Kanye, a little, he's a little off the rocket right now. Like, But if you want to talk about it, I'm down. I'm, I'm I, down to talk. I'm just saying, I honestly don't know how you can be a celebrity and not go a little, a little bit insane. Like, the, the way we treat, you know, famous people, it's so messed up. Like, imagine, imagine for a minute that when you woke up, there were people just completely surrounding your house trying to take horrible pictures of you that they would sell and make massive amounts of money off of or post onto the internet, right? And imagine waves and waves of people saying degrading, horrible things about you constantly, right? Of course, you get some, you know, some love too, but with that love also comes crazy people who will either murder you or the person that you're with because they love you so much. Yeah, that is a little strange. That's one thing is I would never, ever want to be famous. At most, I'd want to be internet famous because I feel like usually when you're internet famous, as long as you're not like ninja levels, 
you're going to be okay. There's not going to be anybody that's just, you know, camping outside of the house of like Philip DeFranco, like, oh man, can't wait to catch Phil looking stupid right now. Like, it, yeah. I mean, that being said, you know, even when you're internet famous, though, especially because I feel like the the walls are really coming down between internet famous and regular famous, crazy stuff happens. Like, I don't know if y'all y'all heard about Meg Turney, like in Austin, in Austin you know, you, do y'all know who Meg Turney is? No. Meg Turney's awesome, first off. Um, she used to be on, on SourceFed, you know, which was something that Phil Franco and some folks came up with, you know, back in the day. Um, she's doing, I think, a lot more stuff now with, with Rooster Teeth, if I remember correctly. I'm not 100% sure. I don't follow her as much as I, I should. Um, but she does a lot of cosplay and, and geeky stuff in general. She's really cool. Uh, she had a crazed fan who drove, I think, from Arizona, broke into her and her and her the person she was dating, um, her partner's house, um, and they heard it because I think the security system or something. So they were hiding in their closet upstairs while this person was frantically searching pretty much every room in their house. Fortunately, the uh, Austin Police Department was noted very quickly. So within minutes, they all showed up. Uh, and that person had a gun. And what? so they got into their car and killed themselves. If things had not worked out the way that they did, her um, boyfriend, partner, I'm not sure if their husband or whatever, as well as her, probably would be in body bags right now. And this is somebody who's just internet famous, right? Jesus. Imagine that like magnified on such a massive scale. Well, to be fair, Ridiculous. I mean, because also that happens to people who aren't famous too, right? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, like, cause like, like if I heard about cases like this more often, I'd be like, yeah. But the, what, what is the probability of it happening to someone not like it's higher? Like, it's, it's like I mean, because I Much feel higher. like actually, like I feel like it might even be like worse for like a non-famous person. I don't know wrong. That's a, that's a, <laughs> I mean, like, I, this is just a feeling. I, I don't have statistics or anything, but because I was just sort of thinking, like, okay, well, what if you're just like a hot girl who's just like not famous, right? And like, to you know, people are like, oh, you bring up a good point. Yeah, there. you know, like, whereas yeah. like, there's a lot of like people who have like maybe like are we, are we, who are, like who are like Instagram like honeys or sort of like they have that's five thousand to ten thousand followers, right? But maybe the same thing might happen to them, right? Um, I, I guess that's the internet famous you're talking about, right? Yeah, that's internet famous. Yeah, I mean. Because I can just sort of imagine it happening to, like, people as a whole, like, we're just unfortunate bad things. But, I mean, because I was even thinking about, like, okay, like, what does happen? What happens to, like, to Tom Hanks? You know, like, he's, like, A-plus, right? Famous, right? I feel like you got to a point, like, when you're that famous, it's like there's a point where um, you're almost untouchable. Like, you feel untouchable to the public. They're not going to go to your house because they know there's going to be a big-ass fence, most likely. There's, like, just things that just make you feel a little bit like you can't get there. You know what I mean? Compared to internet famous, where it's, like, they're tangible. Does that make sense? I get what you're saying because you know when you're quote unquote internet famous, I think I think that's one thing that the people are starting to recognize is loyalty to somebody who's like internet famous. I feel is so much stronger than somebody who's just like a, a normal quote unquote celebrity because they feel more approachable in the sense that like this isn't somebody who's like you know having drinks with Robert De Niro and and uh, and you know grabbing a, a quick bite to eat with with Leonardo DiCaprio. This is some dude who's just like. In their basement, streaming Fortnite. Yeah, commenting on the Twitch chat. Yeah, responding to people, interacting. Ex- exactly. You feel you feel like a bond. Like they're almost like your friends. You know. Um, so there's like that level, and, and that leads to some craziness. But there's also people. You know, like if you're a celebrity, you don't even have to do any of that stuff, right? And you still get people who are like that insanely obsessed with you. Like if you give them an inch, and they'll make a mile out of it. Right. Like I don't know. I'm. 
again, I never want to be famous. It's just... I still do. I, for, for me, it's like... <laughs> I do. Right? Like, Those are good points, right. but you know what? I think I'll risk it. And I, I, guess, th- I, I think I'll do it right. Just, just as you say, like, it's like there's a risk to it, you know? It's like, I, like if there's like risks to do anything that's like worthwhile, right? And if that's something that happens, okay. Like, I mean, hopefully that never happens to me. And also, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Like, that's just horrible. I really do hope that people aren't going through that. I'm honestly, I was just sort of thinking, like, man, I wonder how McTurney feels about that, you know, to like have someone who apparently is your fan and was just so crazed to come and try to find you and eventually kill themselves about that. You know, I hope that she's okay. I, I bet she is now, right? Like, how long ago was that? This was maybe a year ago. Okay, so it's it's been it's been a while. I mean, yeah, because but... the fact that you like you brought it up, it was like it sounds like there's been like a lot of support for her, I guess, right? You know, hopefully. I feel, I'd hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I'd hope so. It's. Yeah. I know that they, they tried to keep it under wraps for a while, but it came out in the when it, when it came public. You know, they went public and they're like, "This is what happened." Man, but I'm hoping like I feel like this brings me to another point, which is kind of like it's kind of segues in your Kanye talk. I know you really want to do it. So. Uh, I mean, I'm fine if you don't want to talk about Kanye. That's cool. <laughs> I'm cool with it, but like I feel like um, this kind of brings a, a light on to like person what I would believe would be like mental illness and things like that again, yep. like. This kind of definitely shows that, like, because America didn't really take in consideration mental illness until, like, what, the, the 80s or the 70s? They honestly weren't really researching into it. Before that, it was like, you go to a, you go to a psych or a crazy house, and you just live your life there, and that's just like, the yeah. nurses come and feed you. And that was, that was most of our history. I mean, I feel like we're making progress, but it's not where it needs to be. You know, I, I'll, I'll come out and say there's there's been people in my family who have, you know, said like you know there's no point of going to therapy because the therapist will say whatever they can to keep you coming back and giving them more money that's sad and that's yeah i don't know awful if it, to look at. i don't want to say it's true because i i don't know i have nothing to actually combat your point mm-hmm. i would say i don't want to believe it's true because it's a, it does help people you know what i mean because like being able to for someone to come in and like understand the brain a little bit better than you do maybe to be able to help you uh walk through things a little bit you know hold your hand and be like okay well this is probably why you're feeling this way could be beneficial now I, did you ever see that netflix show what was it uh, the one with um it was about the cop and um he was talking to a bunch of serial killers What's the name of the you're series? Talking, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about Mindhunter. Mindhunter. So Amazing good. series. So Happened good. in 2017? Yeah, I, th- I think early, so. Early, early yeah, yeah, 2017. Yeah. Um, it's a great series. And the thing is with Mindhunter is like uh, that show, like, remember how the guy was like, I want to go talk to crazy people. And I want to, you know, because they were just in jail. Because they killed somebody. He's like, they were just in jail. He's like, but well, why are they like... Why are they the way that they are? Exactly. And that, everyone was like, dude, can we not do this? Like, they're in jail already. They killed a bunch of people. He's fucking crazy. He's a bad person. And he was really trying to push that envelope. And that's literally, honestly, like, if you look at the history, that's when we actually started looking at mental health and be like, okay, this person's not an evil person. There's something wrong with them. And we, that's, that actual series is actually, like, the beginning of all that. Yeah. Which is interesting. I don't think people understand that. Like, that's how, that's how long ago we actually started looking at mental health. Isn't that weird? Our whole history of looking at things, we didn't start doing mental health until 40 years ago, 40, 50. And it's very stigmatized, I mean, just over the world. I mean, it's like, yeah, this is just absolutely. the West we're talking about, whereas where there's still billions of people who are just sort of like, get that guy out of here, you're not acting the way you're supposed to. It, which also sort of shapes the way I think about mental illness. You know, in immigrant cultures, you know, it's like, <laughs> right? It's like, I can't imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, like Africa, you know, India, India you know, yeah. like where it's just, mm-hmm. 
it's just sort of like something's wrong with you. You need to shape up or get out, you know? Yeah, again, that goes back to kind of like the hierarchy of problems, right? Mm-hmm. I think because um, a lot of folks who are maybe in more impoverished parts of the world, their problems are very easy to diagnose because it's just like, I can't feed my kids. Well, that's why everything sucks, yeah. you know? I have no food to eat. I'm not safe at night. That's why everything sucks. But I feel like... Um, only like in the more either in the more developed countries or the people who have it really well off like that's where you're seeing like the other problems like I have everything why am I still so miserable and I think that one of the reasons why in um, Asian and South Asian and and African culture um, things like the, the mental health conversations in general aren't really happening at the level that they should is because there's just such a strong group of folks who haven't fulfilled like the other their basic necessities and things like that to make it so we can really like diagnose the problem beyond like okay you need to eat can you eat (laughs) yeah (laughs) i completely agree i I remember um coming from okay so i'm not my parents are immigrants i i live here i was born here i was born while i was born in jersey which might as well be a third world country <laughs> like I remember a guy, I met a guy from Jersey. He's like, he's like, oh, where are you from? I was like, Newark. And he's like, oh, the only good place. Uh, he's like, the only thing good about Newark is you can bury bodies there. Oh. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> like, <Damn. laughs> but essentially, I remember I grew up. My older sister, the one that was a year above me, and my youngest sister both had autism, and I didn't know that. My parents didn't know that. They thought it was a behavioral problem. Mm. So we were just like, why are you doing this? And they'd spank them and they do the thing, and it was just like, you know. That's how I lived my life. I was like, oh, Mariah, you know, she's acting up again. You know what I mean? Like, that's all it was. I was like, why are you yeah. getting mad? Like, I was confused. I beat her in a game. Like, why is she mad? And she would, like, mutter to herself sometimes. And I'd be like, okay, like, go be weird somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, it's not the, I was young and it wasn't the right way to deal with it, but I didn't understand. Yeah, of course. And no one told me. Like, I was going through all of elementary and junior high and everything. And I didn't understand these things. And there's always that one girl in junior high or high school that would run around and act a little bit weird. And everyone would be like, oh, look, there's Joe Lynn again acting ridiculous. You know what I mean? Every school has a dragon kid. Yeah. And you, <laughs> yeah the dragon kid might be okay. <laughs> I'm not saying, but you get what I'm saying. Like, sometimes you really have to, like, look at it. Because when I did realize how these things worked, and I started really delving into it. I was like, oh, shit. And um, I, my, my older sister grew out of it. She was really low on the spectrum. She grew out of it. I didn't know that when I was a kid. We were, like, best friends. And Yeah. You know, and then my old, younger sister still lives with my parents, but she works at Whataburger, which is, fuck yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whataburger's the shit. You get some uh, discounts? I, I haven't even asked. Wow. Wow. But, I mean, I haven't eaten there like I used to when we were in college and stuff. We used to eat there all the time. That's fair. I would always go there. If, I, if it was that, I'd be like, yo, Mara, we're going to come see you real quick. But, What's up? But she's, she's a great person. She's, she asks me sometimes because she, being autistic doesn't mean you're dumb. It just means you look, you literally look at life differently. Yeah. But you're here. You're very coherent. And it's like, I remember she, she came to me one time. She's like, she's like, I know people like, she's like, I know I'm a little different. She, and this is the weird, because I never had a serious conversation with my sister before. And this is like three years ago. She was like, she, I came home to visit. She's like, hey, Josh. And I was like, yo, what's up? Like, you know, how's it been? I was going to get food out of the kitchen, whatever, say hi to my parents. And she's like, she started talking and breaking out. She's like, I, I feel like I, I know I'm a little different than everybody else. And she kind of just went in on that for like, the biggest moment of like I've never heard her talk about herself like that and I was right. like oh shit like I feel like I've been neglecting her because she know like 
people don't trust her to go get her own job. Like she has to go through a whole company to like get her a job. Like I remember, I think Ross or something fired her because they were like, oh, we're just looking for something else after she worked there because she wasn't working fast enough. That was her thing. Like she would do everything. Like she would fold the clothes and she did everything methodically, but they didn't want her there because like they're like, we need faster people. And I get it from a business standpoint. At the same time, just like, damn, like, what are we gonna do with these people? Because these are people yeah. who live, they're around us. Um, and I don't know, I was just, this, this whole mental talk, I just remember not understanding it and figuring it out. And there's actually a show on Netflix called Atypical, which talks about autism. It's actually dope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was watching it and I was watching with my friend Helen. It's, it's sick. What, what's I, I think this might be the first time in the history of anything where, where like the words autism, it's actually dope. Like, <laughs> has ever been struck together. Bro, like, <laughs> we're be saying that more often. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm saying, bro, like, no. I think it's cool. And I, I feel like we're finally... Because it took me into a high school to realize that my sister yeah. had autism. You know what I'm saying? She lived with me. <laughs> so I'm like, the fact that we're this we're this new to this mental illness thing, I, I think we definitely need to start figuring out ways like therapy and things like that. Like we have to start investing more in those things. I know I don't understand how the business I don't understand where the money is going in the whole, you know, financial terms of America. Okay, you don't want to start this because we're going to start politic talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of it goes to the military and some of it goes to schooling. Very little of it goes to schooling, but a little bit of this needs to be going to let that branch that deals with yeah. mental illness because we need to invest in those people and explain to them what's going on. Like, because we don't, how are they going to fix themselves? They don't know what's wrong. They don't, we're not even fixing this. They're not going to be able to adjust. Does that make sense? No, like, no, oh, that's yeah, not normal more behavior? special needs rather than like mental illness in this case right here. But I mean, like, she's not special needs. She's like, she looks like a normal person. She does everything. She just like, her brain just doesn't see things. Like she fucks me up in that Clefairy game on Pokemon Stadium. Her memory is stupid good. Cause that's what autism does. It, it, it's like your brain works really high levels in one area, but your social awareness is like low. In our standards, it's actually just somewhere else. But. You know, I want to bring up like a nerd reference to like it. special. Like we were talking last night about Senua's Sacrifice. Man, yeah. that game is so good. Such a good game that I wish more people would actually know about. But um, that down, what is that? So Senua's Hellblade? Yeah, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice is a game that came out on <laughs> PC and PS4. Very good games. You have to play with headphones on. Yes. Um, because you take control of this Celtic. Is she Celtic? Yeah. Yeah. So this Celtic woman, um, like in like the mid, like, like. Oh, 10, 10, 10 hundreds, like, you know, Celtic, 900, yeah, yeah right? It's like in the Viking era. Yeah, Viking era, there yeah. you go, exactly. Like, and you take control of this woman who's going through this sort of spiritual journey uh, through a physical place um, to, like, lay her lover's soul to rest, right? And you see all these demons, you hear these voices, and you see her background of, like, how she's been sort of tortured and, like, how she would see visions and hear sights and people, was, everyone's was like, she's messed up. But... You sort of learn, like, it's actually, like, sort of a good thing that she has this, and, like, if it could be harnessed for a good purpose, uh, you know, like, it was, like, her her people's spiritual um, guide of sorts, you know? Uh, but, you know, her people didn't see that, and they tortured her and beat her, and including her mother, who also had the same thing, too. Um, and she's set aside, and, like, she has all these demons. But then I think, like, when she starts to understand, like, how it can be, like, a sort of a benefit because of her mentor, uh, like, who sort of saw, like, the benefit to, like, her having these sights and visions. Um, That's interesting. That's cool. It, it was. It was, yeah. it was. It was a really good story. It was hard to play through because it was so very heart-wrenching. You know, like, you would see these like it was very scary like living this life and hearing the voices that she would hear that's why I had to play with headphones because yeah. you hear all these different voices telling her to go this way don't do this don't do this go here yeah. it's and crazy those voices man they drove me insane like I 
I felt like wow I felt sounds intense go ahead honestly man like that game is ridiculous because you know um I've been lucky I've never had like anxiety or anything like that but I have people that are close to me in my life that have anxiety and I felt like that game conveyed what somebody with anxiety must be feeling. What's the name like, of that game one more time? Hellblade, Hellblade Senua's, Senua's Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Can we get it at one of y'all at a time? <laughs> I'll RPS you for it. Paper rock, rock, paper. Rock. Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Bam. <laughs> go. Got bodied, son. Okay. What's thank up? You. I appreciate you. What's up? I mean, I was going to let you go anyways, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. What were you saying? Nah. Um, that game... Hellblade Senua Sacrifice. Hellblade Senua Sacrifice. Bam. Done. <laughs> Got it in a couple of turns. No, that game did a really good job, I think, of... of Because you, you play this character, right? Um, and she's she's going through... She suffers with uh, psychosis. Um, and it's a very severe... You can tell that their mental state is very severely damaged. Like, she has schizophrenia. So yeah, she's, I was like, it's got to be schizophrenia. So when you have the headphones on, she constantly has voices in her head. And right. sometimes the voices can be really encouraging. Like, like she did it. She did it. And other times, like, especially if you're, like, stuck in one part over and over again, she's like, she's like, she's worthless. Like, you know what I mean? The, the voices are so degrading. Right. And so brutal and so cutthroat. And it just, it, 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 it's one of those few games that elicited, like, an emotional response for me where I felt, like, constantly, like, unnerved and, and like, I had like this pit of despair that I was just in the entire time, wow. uh, except for a couple of parts where you know you're 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 starting to to like realize that you're stronger than you actually appear, and those parts are so incredible and so uplifting. Like the game tells you nothing, and so a lot of it is like you you feel just like the character where you're just like tossed into this vast world where. You just don't even know where to begin, and 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 as you're making these realizations, and the characters are making those realizations, you're feeling like those victories yourself, and you're you're feeling like your mental fortitude, like like you know, go up at one moment and then crash and plummet entirely, depending on where you are in the story and the the roller coaster that it, that it takes you on emotionally. It's it's absolutely incredible. I feel like it's interesting because like you were talking about the. The, uh, did you want to say something? Uh, I mean, I was going to add like just one gameplay thing. Like, whereas like if you lose too many battles and you have to start the game all the way over. Yep. Yeah. You so your, yeah, you lose your your uh, your entire. That's what it did to yeah. at the very beginning. Um, it, it's just it's just like you you have like this curse, and every time you you die, um, the curse grows and takes over more and more of your body. If it hits her brain, then your save files wiped out. You have to start over again. Wow. And it puts you in this feeling where. Everything matters so much more because of it. Oh man, yeah, I remember feeling the stress of like, cannot lose this, yeah. cannot lose this. Like, like I can't, like just the stress of it all, and like just feeling when waves would come on you. I'm just like, please stop. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. Like that feeling of helplessness that I think somebody who's going through like an anxiety attack or a panic attack goes through. Like I felt that, um, and I'm not gonna say that it's it's you know a one to one because I don't know you know what what somebody else's panic attack or anxiety attack mm-hmm. truly feels like, but I felt like I was able to understand so much more what that was like like that feeling of like helplessness yeah and also one thing i do did really like about this game is like they interviewed people with mental yep. illness yeah like so i remember this was like the first game i actually felt inspired to actually watch um a lot of the extra features you know usually i'm just like cool i played a game i look at the skins cool i'm good but this one like i watched the 30 minute video talking yeah. about like how they actually made the game and it was a beautiful process, like where they talk about the music, they talk about the influences, the historical influences, and then they also talk to like the mental people with mental illness who are describing how it feels.
feels to have uh, the sound, the sight, the um, all these different things that they put into the game somehow really beautifully. Like where um, puzzles, you solve them with um, your psychosis of sorts, you know? Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. I thought was amazing, you know? And that's kind of what I was I was going, talking about with uh, coming. I love that y'all went into this because that was mad interesting. And I, I definitely want to like get into Y'all both beat it already? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Beyond shit, okay. So, <laughs> we gotta move Seriously, forward. Seriously, man, like if you, they, they, man, did you see they're coming out with a VR version? That game in VR is gonna be nuts. Oh, would you, so would you suggest it for someone who does have like a, dep- a problem, like depression or something, would you be like, you probably shouldn't? I don't know. Would it make him feel worse? You think? No, I mean, like, like it's like it's you have to, it's you have to get through it. Because you can make Justin feel terrible, and I feel like ah, I'm a little nervous about them like offing themselves. Right? I, no, know, no, 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 no. I All think right. I've been having this conversation a lot because I know somebody you know who goes through a lot of tough times, right? And I feel like giving them like this game to play would either be like a great decision or a horrible mistake. If they make it through the whole thing, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah don't, I think you have to like you have to midway through it. I think you have to like sort of observe someone who's playing it and like just sort of pers- you know persevere through all that because I felt very stressed out playing this game too. Where it was a game I wanted to beat but I hated going through it in a sense of like, oh, I feel such despair. That's what I'm saying. Like, if they're already going through despair, then you add more despair to it. It's just like, oof. It's who like knows? watching Maybe. BoJack Horseman. You yeah, gotta right? be in the right I'm mental nervous. state to yeah. do it. <laughs> now, my, my thing that I was gonna say earlier is because I loved it that y'all were saying like the master taught her stuff and how to actually use her, her, um, I wanna say her. Her skill set. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, the, the reason my whole broad is brought it up is like, People would see mental illness as such a bad thing, but I think if there's a way to harness it, for example, we talk about like savants, right? Like people mm-hmm. who are like chess savants or uh, like the good doctor, right? Like where that guy like has, like I don't know anything about good doctor. I've only seen a commercial, right? <laughs> but, I think but we're getting into yeah. dicey territory here though, right? Uh-huh. Because it's, I feel like mental illness is, I think that mental illness and autism, for instance, they're two totally different things. Right. Because one of them is about, I think, it is directly related to like how your brain is wired, right? Like in the case of autism, right? You just perceive the world differently. And the other one, I think, is kind of like a disease almost, like right? something like that, like trauma or something that happened. Exactly, right? exactly. Right. Because I think, I mean, I think it's kind of like a slippery slope. Like it, somebody yeah. with with who's like who you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that somebody who's a savant or or autistic has a mental illness i just feel like they're wired differently and we need to do like the research to understand these people better so they can understand you know how what i mean be... that's the one thing i don't i don't want to I, I agree you, you know I, what i'm saying yeah, i, I no, think no. it's an important point yeah, yeah, no, just no. to make that I, very I clear so. distinction because i'm know? still learning about this whole thing overall you know like for me i used to be very dismissive of it as a, like as a whole and i'm learning about it where i'm trying to be a lot more understanding about it yeah. just as i told you about like the immigrant thing mm-hmm. you know it was like and like you know definitely for sure immigrants find like i like I found it very dismissive. I can't even imagine like how my parents would think about it. Yeah, Hopefully they'd be yeah. like super cool about it, but I don't know. And I, I like because as like I was playing Sending with Sacrifice, I watched uh, A Beautiful Mind for the first time. Wow. Yeah, and that was such a good movie. Like where that movie is about um, a guy who won a Nobel Prize in mathematics, uh, and he would have like he was schizophrenic, right? It's based off a real story, John Nash, right? Yep. Where like um, he was schizophrenic and like that like sort of like devolved like his life in a sense but because of the people who were around him who were very patient with him and like were and like this is like in the 50s right yeah, yeah in the 50s 60s um they actually like helped him and like like stayed with him 
and like he was able to like use his beautiful mind you know to like become something amazing you know uh, i think like in my head like i'm like yes we need to solve for like the bad parts that like the the self-destructive parts mm-hmm. but also i think there's a way that we can use it so that way we can help you see the world in a different way and that is going to help humanity overall, overall versus someone like if you see everything the same way that everyone is seeing it that isn't really going to be helping us you know uh some some a metaphor that like i or analogy i always think about is um mass effect where morden you know a different alien he's like there's a reason humanity is used for these experiments by these other aliens you know reapers right because of their genetic differences but also the way that they see the world differently too um and no other species is like that and that's something he said and i've always thought about that whereas like i think our diversity is what makes humanity great can make humanity great and i think uh if we can really use the you know really harness that in a way i think we will be able to go further it's crazy that you say that because it's i was actually talking to some friends about this last night where uh people Gestures have been a thing in society forever. Comedians, right? So now it's funny because like when the king was beheading people constantly, the gesture was the only one that can get away with like questioning the rule of everything. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I want you to think about that real quick. And this is like a this is an interesting piece of information because like he'd be like, "Oh, off with that guy! Get that guy out of here!" He questioned me like he'd kill everybody, but then when the gesture came and he'd be like, "Yo, this guy is crazy! He killed like thirty people today." You know what I mean? Look around, and like, and people are just like, "Oh, this guy's insane. He's crazy." How about that airline food? Am I right, folks? <laughs> Yo, I just watched. I know. I walked in the castle. Horse and there was, food, right? He's like, he's like, I walked in the castle, and I saw like eight family members spiked out there. What's up with this guy? And people would just be like, "This guy's hilarious." But the thing is, the the thing about com- comedy that's so special. Uh, and comedians in general, good comedians specifically, is that the way they look at the world is slightly different. Like, we're all, like, not all of us, but a lot of us are on a track. We're on a track. We grew up, we were raised the right way, and we look at life like this. And we're on this train track, and that's just how our brain works. We're like, oh, that, that's funny. Like, this is how my life is. What a good comedian will do is they'll see life, they'll be kind of off the tracks, and they'll start poking fun at the people on the tracks. They'll be like, y'all knows that... They'll just bring up normal shit. Have y'all noticed that this happens? And we're like, oh shit, that does happen all the time. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that's kind of weird. And they make jokes. And that's what good comedy is. So it, it's kind of, especially when they do it with um, with politics and things like that, good comedians can really rip up politics in a way where it's just like hilarious. I'm not saying specifically Daily Show and stuff like that. Like, yeah, they do that too, but that's more of a agenda, I guess, it seems to me. More like a political agenda. I love the show. But that's what it seems like. But that's all I was going to say about comedians and something. Like that. I think it's just great. And I feel like uh, we had an issue with last year. I mean, for a while now, we've had an issue with uh, the left getting really mad at certain jokes. But I'm like, that's kind of what comedy is. It's kind of like the dark part of the side that are bringing it up and telling you about it and making a joke about it. Because they, by making it a joke, you can't get mad at me when I say it, I guess. Yeah, because I agree with you. I agree with you Like for the most part. like I do think there is... like. Good comedians don't make fun of people in a sense, you know, like they're not like, hey, look at that person. But yeah, they're, I guess they're like looking at like the way like society is working, you know. For example, like Dave Chappelle, like when he did like make a transgender joke, you know, he was, he later on made a joke about himself, like, why did he look at that way, you know, like why was he so quick to make fun of t- transgender people, you know? 
And because he had those comedy specials come out, I'm sure they, they had mixed reviews because of how deep he went on his things. But he was at that point in his career, he was like, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, I can say whatever yeah. I want. And he's like, I'm going to be out of here in a second. But he was just saying things. And I remember, like, I could definitely, when I was watching, I was like, wow, he's going in. And I'm like, people are going to be mad. And they were. But, like, if you listen to the whole thing, like, at the end of it, he does calm himself out a couple times. And yeah. he's just like, yeah, um, I've realized a couple of my own issues. And, you know, it's just like, it's interesting. I think it's cool. I think we, like, as a society, need to move away from um, what a lot of people have kind of dubbed cancel culture, right? Because the problem with cancel culture is, like, there's no educational aspect of that, right? If somebody says something that they probably shouldn't have, um, that's, you know, probably not the right way to, to view things, like, you know, Dish Bell, for instance, with the, with the transgender joke, mm-hmm. Um if you just automatically write off Dave Chappelle as like, oh my, this person is scum of the earth, trash, cancel, cancel Dave Chappelle, he doesn't learn anything from that. I think that the way that you actually break through to people and make a change is not through cancel culture. It's through having real open conversations with people that are different from you. And that's the problem. You know, I don't want to get into politics because we're, we're dipping very close. We're in the, we're in the pre-politics kiddie pool I mean, right now. I you can if you we're, want. It, there's a politics pool and we're in the hot tub right now right next to it. Like, you know what? It's getting kind of hot Get a little toasty right now. <laughs> I, need to, I need to take a dip in the deep end. I love what you're saying, though. Um, you were yeah. saying um, about... Repeat that last piece one more time for me, if you can. Oh, I, pro- I probably can't. No, um, <laughs> I, um, I guess I was basically just saying that, you know, it's important for us to not just um, be like, you know, so wrapped around cancel culture and more so try to educate people and most importantly, have conversations with people who are in different viewpoints, different backgrounds than us. That's the only way we can all learn something. And that's, that's what I was getting at. That's the problem, again, with, with, with today's society as a whole is – it's very tribal. Right. Very, like Extremely. tribalism, I feel, is... Um, it's innate to us, but... But it's, but it's, it's at uh, an all-time high, which is ironic given the fact that we live in a society where you have the ability on an unparalleled scale compared to any other time in the history of existence to have a conversation with anyone in the world. Mm-hmm. And we instead create these echo chambers for ourselves, which make it so that we have a perception of the world that at the end of the day is incomplete. But that we're happy with. Yeah. That's a good point. One question I do want to bring up, and sorry, we're going to the pool, but can I, can I just dip your yeah, toes you say, in. Say, say, say what you want. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to lose it in Go a second. Ahead. I'm like Go really ahead. trying to, I was holding it. My brain doesn't work like these guys. Go ahead, like, say it. <laughs> so, the, okay, so when he's talking about this cancel culture thing, um, that's exactly, like, it's kind of weird that this is how it flipped because you know how people have kind of been moving away from religion gradually, like it's kind of like people are really starting to switch off of that. That's, the people who are moving away are the people who are really into the cancel culture, I feel, the ones that are really outraged about these things consistently. At the same time, it was also, they're now taking the place of the original Catholic church, ironically, because <laughs> the original Catholic church was the one that was canceling things originally, like, yo, what are you reading those books for? That's not our religion. Like, don't read the Tehran like that, or the Quran. like, these things aren't us, like, and they were trying to cancel it, and in their situations, it was more about burning the books, kicking those people out of town, or killing them off. Oh, yeah, that's because, but that's more for power reasons, I guess, yeah. you know? Well, like, it's saying. like, if people don't know, then you can control them but easier, right? My, my point being is, like, you're, you're shaping the world you, the way you want it to be shaped, by keeping the other information out. Because like yeah. someone pokes fun at a joke and you're like, we shouldn't even be joking about that. But it's like there was, there was things in that joke that made sense and you just don't want to hear it. It's true. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's, it's, it's borderline. And, and this is something that, you know, love him or hate him. I think that Jordan Pearson has a bit of a point here, right? I remember that uh, I, I was 
um, listening to him. And there was a big outrage because um, in Canada, there was um, a, a law that was proposed where um, if you called a transgender person by the wrong pronoun, then it was a punishable, it was like a punishable, punishable crime, offense. like a punishable offense, right? Um, and he spoke out against it, just and and people immediately were like, "Oh, it's, he's speaking out against it because he's transphobic. He hates trans people." And he mm-hmm. came back. He was like, "No, I mean, I I have friends who are tra- who are transgender, and I have friends who are from all sorts students. of background. I have students. You know, I have a lot of people who I work with that are transgender. It's not that. It's more so that this could very quickly be a slippery slope when we're limiting things like speech." For instance, um, by the when the government speci- when the government specifically is limiting, uh, you know, speech and, and and we're repressing, you know, content. That's how we done. slide into a, a dystopian society. And to some extent, you know, I do side with that. I feel like it, you know, as people, we need to do our best to to at the end of the day, just not be assholes and be really understanding of people from other from other you know backgrounds of us and accepting of people from other backgrounds of us. But at the same time, I feel like if we, um, for instance, submit to a world where like the government would say okay you could, it's okay to talk about this it's not okay to talk about this then it makes it so that we as people lose our autonomy and our ability to grow and learn something right we're slowly moving towards the north korea on a very small scale I mean, it, it's we're not slowly even, for me it's not even north korea necessarily right I'll, i'm gonna dial this back a little bit because i i want to make sure that that people are, are hearing me correctly and mm-hmm. i'm saying the right thing here right um i think that it's really important for people to come to their view and understanding of the world, not because it was forced down their throat, but because it's something after weighing all of the the things and all the points out there that they themselves came to a logical conclusion of. I'll give you an example. With me in religion, for instance, right? Um, being like a Malayali um, Christian, religion is such a big part of um, my culture, right? To the point where it's seemingly mandated right like such a big part of your upbringing is like you know going to church you know reading the bible every single day you know praying every single day with your family etc etc and i'll be the first to say there's a point there was a point in my life where it felt very much like i was doing this not because i wanted to or i necessarily like you know agreed with everything it was more so like well this is what my family expects of me so i'm just going to go ahead and do it i'm just going to go through the motions Mm -hmm. and i feel like because I was able to have the journey myself, right, where I was able to kind of recognize other perspectives, right, um, and and kind of question, like, well, why why do I think this particular way? That's what's given me, like, a bedrock of, of faith, quote-unquote, that I have today, where, like, I am religious and I'm comfortable with who I am religiously. But it's not because it was mandated to me by my parents. It's because I was able to come to that conclusion on my own. So that's what I'm saying, I guess, whenever I feel like if we get to the point where, like, it, the government's involved and they're mandating, like, okay, you can only, you, you have to, you can't say these specific things, then it makes it so that we as a society overall don't have that strong belief in something. It's more so like we're doing this because we have to do this and we're going through the motions. I don't think that that's healthy in a society like today. Like, again, we need to have conversations with people from different backgrounds than us so that we can grow as people as a whole. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I agree with that, honestly. And I mean, I do the same thing too, like for my spiritual journey, like, whereas like I am reading the Quran, I'm reading the Bible, you know, front to back. 
uh, so I get the tour aspect, you know, but like I am trying to come to my own conclusion of it. And it's not something that if someone tells me I'm just sort of like, I don't know if I believe that. What I did want to bring up was, okay, what about things like Nazis? Do we let them have a platform or not? Have a platform? Yes. Do we let them talk? Do we let them come to, you know, be part of the debate? I think that freedom of speech means that it freedom of speech is not Man, we said no politics, but I guess it's more like ethics. Yeah, that's why, that's why I apologize before. Yeah, because like here's yeah. here's here's what what I'll say about it. Right, is I think that that people think that freedom of speech means that you can say whatever and people are are cool with it, and that's not it at all. It's more so freedom of speech means that you know you can say whatever you want to, mm-hmm. but and and you have that right to say what you want. What it does not mean is that you have the right to control people and how they react to it, right? right? Like freedom of speech does not exclude you from how people react to what you say at the end of the day, right? So if somebody wants to come up here and spout some Nazi nonsense, they have the right to get that just, ass beat. Just the way, just, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not that. Right? But, yeah. but just the same way that somebody <laughs> who's listening to that can say, dude, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Go back to like the 1940s or something right. you just do not belong today, Right. I, that's, that's that's the way fair. that I see it personally, right? Like, like if I think that that <laughs> it might come off as very dark, but I think that people should have the platform to make complete asses out of themselves. Because I guess, like, what I like, because I agree with that for the most part. Although here's here's what I believe, right? Like, Go for where, it. it's like for the most part, like I'm with freedom of speech 95% away, which I know sounds a little hypocritical. I should be like all for it or not, right? I guess because like the, the, the platform is like, yeah, our race is superior and we think people are inferior and we should get rid of them. We should kill them or get rid of them one way or another, right? Right. And even though like, a, you know, you could say that in a thousand person, uh, thousand person auditorium, right? Mm-hmm. One of those people is probably going to be like, you know what? I agree. And then that person joins that, and then it just sort of like snowballs, you know, like into like a bigger. That's, that's, go ahead, yeah. That's that's what I am most afraid of. Like, whereas, like, should we allow like everything? Like, whereas, like, okay, like your message is of hate and of killing people and getting rid of people. Is that acceptable for you to say that in public? You know, because like I'm just always worried about like that growing into like a bigger and bigger thing. But then hey, maybe you're right. Go ahead. So uh, I'm thinking like. Um with that whole auditorium situation, like we have to think about why we gave that guy a podium in the first place. <laughs> like, <laughs> why is he having a panel? Like, yeah. what's going on here? Um, but at the same time, it's just like to have an opinion on something. If you want to say it, and someone like, huh, I agree with that. They they agreed with it beforehand. To be completely honest, like you couldn't convince me that any people were shitty. Like right now, like I know too many of them for you to come in here and be like some guy to come in here and tell me be like. Oh, Indians did this and this and this, and they hate black people. I'm like, all right, man, like, that's not how it really works. You know what I mean? Like, I don't agree, unless I really want to believe that. It's like what happened with um, when with Hitler, it was like they needed someone to blame. They all wanted to agree on somebody to blame for the situation the country was in. And they chose Jews, and they were like, that sounds good. I think it's one of those things. Gotta blame somebody. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, I think. Something, uh, it's something I forgot. It's like a joke, or, or maybe something just kind of dark in general. Like the way you cook a lobster alive is not by just throwing it into a pot of boiling water, right? Because the lobster would be like, 
oh damn this is a pot of boiling water i'm gonna get the hell out of here mm. the way you do it is that you put it in lukewarm water and slowly raise the temperature one degree at a time and eventually the, bo- the lobster will just be content being boiled alive and i think that that is kind of like maybe what, what, what we're, we're kind of alluding to a little bit i think that you know, when we look maybe at germany for instance i don't think hitler like showed up out of nowhere like with the platform like you know what jewish people am i right like it it, it was it was a, a spectrum where mm-hmm. i think um because people were you know again this goes back to you know having conversations with people who are different from you right because they were you know so much in like the in the hive mind right they were content with things, you know, starting off one way and then getting, you know, a little bit worse and then getting a little bit worse and a little bit worse and a little bit worse until things got to the point where they were, right? And I think a lot of these people, you know, when they were in the moment, maybe didn't even realize just how atrocious the things that they were doing were just because, again, it was it was like all gradual, like over over scale. And, and, and it, that's what happens when you have like such limited perspectives. And information's not as limited yeah. as it used to be. We exactly. have the internet, we, there's so many ways to figure things exactly. out. And there's so many ways to be like you were saying earlier, to be in contact with people. I find it hard to believe that you would, like someone would be coming up to you and be like, hey man, like we'll just say it's two white guys and they're sitting there like, yo man, black people are fucking everything up. And if, you're, if your first instinct is to be like, hmm, go on. Then you're probably already a little bit far gone. I, I mean, I, I, mean, I mean, but then yeah, aren't we trying to convince well, those guys that not? That's what I'm saying. Like, you can listen. You can always listen. I feel like it takes uh, an intelligent man to hear a viewpoint without accepting it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, like, I think that you know, in your in your example, right, where you had like the guy with the podium who was like a, a neo-Nazi or something like that, and that one dude leaves the auditorium like, you know what, this guy has a point. That dude, you know. I firmly believe that that guy would have been involved in something else that wasn't banned, whether that was like a cult or something <laughs> like that, right? Like I get it, some yeah. people by default, I think are, are more naturally influenced than other folks. Um, but but again, like I I don't think that that's something where like if we like if we said okay, well you can't talk about this kind of stuff specifically, you can't have this platform, then they found another platform, right? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, we can't have this platform or this platform, and then it's another platform, and then eventually it gets very subjective, right? Where it's just like, well, this platform is kind of like this, so maybe we can't talk about this either. And and again, I I really think, and I'm not, I I have to say this, like, to the 10,000th degree, right? I do not condone any of these things whatsoever, right? I think that all these things are completely reprehensible, and if you believe these things, you probably are a reprehensible person as well. Um, but again, I feel like it's really important for us as people to come to those conclusions logically because that's when those conclusions are so much stronger and have so much more conviction than anything else. The conviction that goes with it. Mm-hmm. And I just had to make that message because, again, my brain would be slow sometimes. So, <laughs> so I was like, I make notes while he's talking. I was like, oh, that's good. Uh, so he was making a point, and I wanted to expound on that, like, if you shut somebody down, what ends up happening naturally, uh, this is just some more of my pseudo psychology, <laughs> but essentially what ends up happening is that when you, make a, when you shut somebody down from their podium, what they'll do is they'll make a smaller group or they'll go underground with their idea because yep. their idea doesn't get shut. Just because you shut them up doesn't mean their idea goes away. Nope. They go somewhere else with that idea and what they'll do is they'll make a little cult following like you said mm-hmm. and then more people will start following to that cult following and what happens is they feel like, they'll do this, they'll do this a lot. They'll be like, hey, no one agrees with us. We're different. People think that we're, we're the outsiders. And that outsider mentality, which a lot of people will subscribe to, makes you more convicted in your belief. Yep. That happens a lot. 
that's how like a lot of times those Aaron races and those things get off like so well. You'll be like, how did all these people get into the same thing? Because we're we're excluding them from normal shit. Because like when they come around, we're like, you guys are crazy. Like we're not just, hey guys, like I, we don't agree with that. We get we're not having a conversation. We're just making y'all feel more, um, you know, Jesus like. We're like we're really the martyrdoms. We're, yeah, we're martyr. Like we're gonna be martyrs. Like we're we're really standing up for what's right. This is how we believe. Yeah, we gotta stop doing that. I, I feel like we have to let people have that free will. Because like the pronoun thing, we're going back to that pronoun like we want to be called by your pronoun i'm cool with that you want to be called by something cool okay i'll do that yeah i'll respect um, that no problem yeah uh you're gonna make the government come down on me if i don't do it or if you feel like i'm disrespecting you by not doing it i think it's a little it, it becomes a slippery slope because like let's be real um the n-word for black people has never been a liked word for us no. uh I'm, we're talking hard r <laughs> you know what i mean like it's never been something that we've liked but the government never intervened and was like hey there's a law in place now. If you say that, you're going to jail. No, we just dealt with it for a while. And people over time, through freedom of will and thought, were like, you know what? I probably should just shouldn't do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could. I, I feel like I was influenced by God's will, for instance, because I felt like, you know, I, yes. you know, grow, and, and I think, you know, I mean, just, just revealing a little bit about uh, my other culture in general, um, for some reason, like, People who are who are you know first generation Malayali, a, a lot of a lot of us for for some reason, like tend to like just act like really hood for some reason. You know, I don't even know if that's like the right way to describe it. But I, but why are you looking at me when you said that, bro? <laughs> I'm not. I was looking oh at Lu- I was looking at Lucy. All right, it's like like they're growing up in the favelas. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. But but you know but but, but that's this. And so as a as an extension of that, I felt like it was like almost common for us to like you know not hard R, but but still say it. Yeah. In in, in some way or another, um, and I think that it's because I was able to you know. And I was guilty of that as well. I'll be the first person to go ahead and say that. You know, whenever I was growing up, like it, it happened. You That's know, a huge <gasps> and I think that I think that you know because I, I was able to you know like you know meet people like Godswell and and kind of learn a little bit more through not only like the stuff that I, that I read myself, but also through the people around me. It made it so that I was able to kind of like understand. You know, like this isn't for me. Fair. Completely fair assessment. Yeah. But again, that's not because a law came down and was like, you're not allowed to say this. It, it, I feel like the reason why I turned out the way that I did is because I immersed myself with knowledge with people and that made it so that I had a better view of the world. I like that. That's- I'm going to be a devil advocate. Go for it. Yeah, like, like I agree with all y'all. You know? like, I think about like, what about the Civil Rights Act of like 1964? You know, Do you think that... Um, do you think that like this sort of brotherhood or like this mixing of races like we are now would have really happened if it wasn't for a sort of intervention of sorts, you know? But that intervention was drastically different than what we're talking about right now. We're talking about your uh, like um, the ability to say words or not to say words, right? True. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, but that's that's from, I guess, like understanding, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, but like, if there wasn't like a path to understanding, right? Do you think like the do you think that would have happened like sort of um, organically? You know, if yeah, if there wasn't like a way to be like I think that was it happening organically. I yeah. feel like that was the point where we got to the point where it's like we're open to listen. At, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm stepped away from the mic. I feel like that was its time to happen organically. Like we were free from slavery for a couple of years. I mean, it wasn't a very long period of time, but we were we were out of slavery. Like the actual. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, questionable 13th Amendment stuff. But, you know, we were out of that slavery, the original slavery that we're talking about. We were moving forward. I think that was the time period for when it was happening. Okay, like a man came along and he presented an idea to people and they were like, okay, I'm cool with that. Because the past, let's be honest, it passed. Like it worked for us, kind of, kind of. Yeah, there's a lot. Okay, there's a lot of laws that came after that that kind of barred us from doing what we wanted. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely a big step. And over time, since then, it has been slowly getting slightly better every yeah. so couple of years. I know it's a very slow process and arduous, and there's people who are still holding to their guns about it. But it's happening organically. I feel. Yeah. And of course, there's still going to be those people who are just. I don't want to talk over talk because I know I'm not. You know, I don't have a fucking degree in this, but <laughs> there are those people who are still going to hold down their thoughts on black people or Indian people or whatever. Yeah. They just get Indians and Arabs confused and they're the same thing with their pajabs. <laughs> you know, they would say whatever they want to say. But it's like, it's happening. I, I feel. Yeah. I think the one thing is with um, civil rights in particular, right? That was an answer to a lot of laws that were made, I think, at the state level in particular, that would be segregating people, right? Like Jim Crow laws and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, like that was a case where like the government came in and they were like, well, I guess you know we can't have slaves anymore, but maybe we'll make them use separate bathrooms or something like that, right? I feel, I really do feel like, you know, I'm not an anarchist or anything like that, you know, got to make sure that I'm stressing that, Jesus, I feel like I have to qualify myself so many times, but, (laughs) but, but what I'm saying is I feel like, you know, when we can get back to like, you know, the natural order things where people just like get along with each other. Um, and we're not trying to like pigeonhole people in in one particular way. Like, okay, if your skin looks like this, you have to live here. And if you, if you talk like this, you have to live here or anything like that, then Mm -hmm. we're going to be better for it. Right, like that was the, that's that's why it's, to me it's like such a different conversation versus like you know like like very clearly like civil um, civil rights that movement was to make right bad laws um, and practices because of said laws like Jim Crow um, and, right. and and override those. Whereas the conversation of like um, should you be allowed to say certain things or is, would it be punishable by the by the government like like free speech that's to me is is very very different because i think that you know if if we look at things like um if there was no government for instance right everybody technically would have the right to say whatever they wanted to whenever they wanted to right mm-hmm. that's fair to say um and just like that everybody would have the right to react to that however they wanted to as well um in contrast to something like you know like a the, the civil rights era with with all that being again like a rectification of things that the government had messed up in the past i don't know if again like i don't know if this is this is coming off like the, the way that it should but 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 i hope like it, I think it, you're being very you, clear you know what i mean yeah yeah and no, i hear you with that because i like the way is like yeah the government put bad laws but then like they fixed that bad law with enforcement saying you can't you can't like this like the the Macro versus like the micro, micro yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like where the macro is, you can't, um, you can't um, discriminate. Yeah, discriminate against people like of certain mm-hmm. color creeds, all that, right? And then like this is a micro law. Whereas like I do agree, I I wholeheartedly agree. Like where it's like, yeah, I don't think the government should be saying you can't say this word or you're gonna get a fine or something like that. Like I think that's just way too much. But isn't like the the Civil Rights Act like sort of like that sort of same thing? Where it's like, look, you guys can't discriminate anymore. You know. Right, I mean, it's it's a weird thing because like we're going into 
just like systemic racism and things like that. It's just like we were talking about this at a party recently. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. We go to parties. We talk about <laughs> systemic racism. Man, we are we Lit. are party animals. <laughs> I just want to say, what the hell is going to be the description for this podcast? Anyways, come I've watch Justin and I yeah, talk I, about. I know, right? Like, like it, it, it's going to be deep. I'm, I'm going to figure out like how to write this description. But like, I've been enjoying this, and I think this will be like the last topic we talk about. We'll bring you back for another yeah. topic. But what sure. do you want to say, Josh? This this podcast is all good for people who like Eminem's and Skittles mixed together. <laughs> oh, we, we made. Two anime references total. Like, we didn't talk about it. <laughs> We've warmed them so many times. This podcast is going to be about everything. So. Yeah, but I mean, um, it, it's it's a funny thing because like, you really open your eyes to things um, and you think about it because like, we still have people who are very, they they deny um, that things are happening, that things aren't yeah. on an even playing field. Absolutely. Um, we're, we're very aware that banks don't always loan our money to certain people yep. from certain areas. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard to get a loan, which is like a loan is something that everyone uses almost at some point in their life, whether it's a car or whatever it is. Um, so you can imagine that being very difficult for certain demographics in certain areas. Now, if I told you, if I told you, like uh, if I'm talking to a white person, and I did this with Will uh, at a party, and I was like, if I told you that your people, I'm just saying your people, I, I want to say we're all together, but uh, we'll say white people. They, if I told you that Eight to one, you guys are in jail more often than my, like, we'll say black, we'll reverse the roles. Black people are on the the up and up. We'll say they're on the, the social hierarchy. Like, we're the guys who run the government. We have 12 Supreme Court justices, such and such on, and white people felt like they were on the underside of things. If I told you that, hey, eight to one are in jail, so eight white people are in jail for every one black guy in jail, but that's just how it is, because y'all keep killing each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if I said something that outlandish, and I was like, that's just how it falls. Like, you know, y'all do have more higher crime rates. Y'all do. You see what I'm saying? And you were like, but I'm not violent. I, I know all my cousins aren't violent. Hey, I'm not saying you guys. It's just the other people over here. You see how weird that comes out? And like, hey, there's got to be something playing into this, because that's the actual statistic for New York right now. Yeah. For if we say 800,000 black people, 100,000 white people are in jail. And that's not a real number. I'm just saying that's literally the staggering mm-hmm. difference. Eight to one. That's insane. There's definitely something happening. That's not normal. Um, and I feel like we just have to be open our eyes and at least be like, okay, maybe something is happening here. Especially yeah. when there are like only like 12 to 15% black people in the U.S. versus like a, a majority of white people, you yeah. know? It's one th- like if you even give me that statistic now, you know, like it's like eight to one white people, I'd be like, well, sure, there's way more white people in America, you I'm, know? I'm, but, <laughs> but, you know, like, it, like we said, like it's the opposite, like where it's like eight to one black people is like, well, geez. And, and you also hear all the excuses like, well, well you guys are more violent. Da, 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 da. But sorry, what were you about to say? No, I, I, you know, this conversation reminds me, I was having a conversation with somebody um, who's pretty close to me um, again, they think very differently than me. I feel like uh, I don't like to say that I'm like a Democrat or I'm a Republican or anything like that. Right, I will fair. say I feel like I'm leaning, you know, more liberal. more 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 liberal. Um, but but there's uh, some Republican ideals that you know fall well with me as well. So you're an independent. Yeah, I I, I go with let's what not makes label, sense. Let's not label Ooh. right now. Let's not no label labels right or anything now. like that. <laughs> no labels like that. I I try to be objective about about every topic as Hashtag best as I can. Own the libs. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I try to be objective. I'm very I'm a very I'm objective fine. person, right? I try to look at look at right. both sides, um, get as much information as I can, and then come to a conclusion myself, right. which I feel like is the way every single person it's ideal should do it. But that, that sounds too easy, bro. I, I can't I can't I can't abide to your So I was I was talking with, with somebody who I'm, who I'm close to who um is very Republican, you know, big Trump person. Um and they um 
weren't really understanding like the Black Lives Matter movement, or and they're like, well, I don't understand what what the big deal is. Like, like this doesn't make like like they talk about people are talking about like systemic racism, or whatever, blah 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 blah. This makes I, I don't understand it at all. And I told him very simply that I saw this video very recently where um, this guy, um, the cops have like have like stopped this guy who's just just kind of kind of causing a ruckus, right? And this guy is just running around. There's one point where he runs up to the cop, takes the gun out of the cop's holster, starts waving it around, right? They don't shoot this guy or anything like that. That happened like last year, the year before? Something like that. I remember this video, yeah. And I asked this person point blank, do you think that that person was African-American? And he said, okay, I think I get it. That is interesting. I mean, it's again, just... It's those little conversations that we have. Those make such a big impact because while this person still, you know, probably does feel the way that they do politically, at least on this one particular issue, they're thinking, well, there's more to this that we really do need to look into, right? right. Dang, that's really good. And I again, like, like it's all about that micro level, like of us hoping to have these conversations and not stay inside of our echo chambers, comfort right? Zones, yeah. yeah, definitely. It is it's hard. I mean, honestly. At this point right now, I don't really feel like having like a lot of conversations, especially <laughs> online. Um, yeah. Especially like right now, it's just so heated and so hard to talk, um, to get other side to understand. I was even talking with a friend last night at the same party, right? Like we're talking about politics, right? Yes. <laughs> and, I don't know if I should feel upset for not being invited to these parties or you, glad, you, you were to be bu- honest. <laughs> you, were, you were busy playing Mario Party, which was good. He, he, you threw the party. Yeah. Exactly, it's your spot. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, damn. Yeah, we, 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 were, we were talking. We were talking like heavy about like just all this stuff, I guess, because it was like, oh, we're not, we're not on teams of Mario Party. You, you tried. It's not. It's our fault for coming late. We came in oh, late. All yeah. good. All right, no cool. worries. But we were having this discussion of um, just so much because like when someone someone brought up like, oh, you know, we should just all be friends. And I started getting mad because I was like, wait, hold up. That'd be nice and easy to say that, but I don't think that's as very possible right now. Not now. Like, where it's like everyone's like really heated on both sides. Uh, and you're sort of telling the people who are sort of been um, disenfranchised the whole time to be friends with the people who are not getting it, you know? Like, it's sort of hard to contain your anger when you just sort of see, yeah. you know, like I just came up with an example, like, okay, look like the systemic racism that's going on, right? There's so many different issues. Just this last week, sorry, we are, we are full-blown into politics. And I was, I'm going to stop the podcast soon, right? <laughs> but um, just last week uh, in the news, there's a case where um, um, a white woman in New York called police on like a eight-year-old boy for touching, for sexually harassing her, when it was his backpack that brushed her butt. Yep. Lack of one, right? <laughs> and, <Dang. laughs> right? and you know, she called the cops on this on this boy, a boy, you know. And then because like the footage is released after, yeah, 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 after. for sure. But even then, the fact that that even happened, like you call the cops on this boy, right? Like for groping you, okay, whatever. Uh, for a boy, you know, like it's one thing if this was like a full blown man, sure, okay, fine. But um, two. Um, a boy was knocking on the door of a white guy's house and the white guy came out with a gun and shot at the kid. Guy just knocking on the door. You know, apparently wanting directions and he shot at the kid. The kid had ran away. Luckily, he didn't get hit. But still, boy, the man shot at this boy. Uh, and then recently, Botham Jean in, yep. here in Dallas, you know, 
um, that case where, you know, a white woman who off duty cop came into his house, thought it was her house and killed the guy. Thought saying that it was his like, oh, she thought she was in the, you know, it was her house. And, and you know, she killed the guy who was in his spot. Um, and that woman just got fired from her job, you know, her cop position, you know, police position. But nothing has happened yet. And it's just sort of case by case by case of like, well, how are we supposed to be happy and sort of like, oh, you know, we're all friends and you know, copacetic, you know, at least on the macro level, yeah, micro level. Sure. You know, like I, I'm luckily in such a position. And also I feel like on a micro level, I'm only able to be in this position because I've been shielded by this and I've grew up in such, uh, you know, such a well-off neighborhood. Yeah. That like if if I was in like maybe like the hood where, like, where things like this are constantly happening, getting harassed, can I be as calm? You know, can I be on a micro level willing to be like, oh, we can all have this conversation, you know? No. Go ahead. Are you about to say something or can I jump in? Go ahead. Jump in. Jump okay, in. Okay, so. It's a lot to process. Yeah, it was a lot. And I know we were trying to wrap this up. Um, I know the the situation I knew about, like on a personal level, like I know the the, the dude at the barbershop, I'm not saying any names or anything like that, the, that situation, that guy actually, or the guy with the cop that came into his apartment and was like, oh, I thought it was my my house. She, I believe she lived a floor above him or something like that, yep. but that dude actually went to my barbershop. Like, really? Very consistently. Like, wow. I saw him like almost every two weeks. Man. Like, and I remember him talking about it because he was dating a cop. And... I knew that, and then to come, to, I remember it was like um, it was midway through the week. I remember I heard about it, and someone was like, "Oh yeah, this dude just got killed." And I was like, "Oh shit, that's that's messed up." And I was thinking about the situation, like I was like, "That'd be crazy if it was this dude." And I got to the bar shop, and they were talking about it again. And I was like, "Oh, he's not here for that." That yeah. makes tons of, and it was ridiculous because I was like, I knew he was dating her, and the news is like the way they were coming out with information was as if it was like. She was confused, and she was. I was like, "How could you be confused?" Yeah, they're making excuses for her, and they already try to assassinate his character, saying like, "Oh, he had some weed in this place." It's just like, what? The this has nothing to do with that. anything with him. But let's not. I don't want. I don't want to make this like a, a CNN. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, it's but like for me, it's like it's just that like sort of anger and like you know like it's sort of like I had like a little bit of indignation at the party. Like, why do you mean it comes so hard at this guy? You know, you know. But like, because like he's a very well intentioned guy, but at the same time, it's just sort of like. I don't think you should say that. You can't really say that, especially in this environment where it's just offense after offense, and you're saying both sides should just come to the table and just talk about it. I, you know, like, like that's right. That is the way to do it. But how is that going to happen in a realistic manner? I think we have to start just at an individual level and then just level. kind of, kind of work up from there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so tough now because. I feel like things are the way that they are, right? Um, you know, we, my wife and I, we saw um, Black Klansman. Um, and, you know, we both thought it was a great movie, but my wife actually had, like, a strong emotional reaction. Like, she was um, in tears, you know, when she got to the car, just because it's, it's just such a big moment where you're just like, wow, this is the state of things right now. It's not just the state of things. Like if, if, if this was how things were a hundred years ago, it's almost like understandable because we're just thinking, oh, they just didn't That's know not us. They didn't have yeah. information, right? They, that was just the, the world that they, they knew. But this is the world now. 
and it's it's heartbreaking to say the least and it makes it so that you know it's so hard to have those conversations so hard because there's so much passion and so much emotion and it's so much you know tough conversations that, that just need to be had but I, I really do feel like now more than ever because it's so hard to have those conversations is exactly why we need to because if we don't then what's going to happen is you're going to have one side that feels very strongly about something and, and how messed up the other side other side is and the other side feeling the exact same way with no one learning anything or, or, or doing anything to actually make the world better and right. to make it so that these problems that keep happening over and over again stop because it's not just going to be an effort from one side only mm-hmm. it's going to be a joint effort and it only works if everybody's kind of on the same page or at the very least everybody is you know has the idea or at least is alerted to the fact that these things are not just things that we're making up or that we're just getting angry for the sake of getting angry for these right. are very real problems that people are facing every single day. Because he, he brought up a point of like, when you're in that struggle situation, how, how are you supposed to change? Because it's hard. It is. I understand what you were saying. You were saying like, when you're, when you're in that Chicago West Side or you're in yeah. that, that Harlem, New York or whatever, like how are you supposed to be able to deal with this? Like you're, you're doing about other things. Like you were saying, you're doing about food, things like that. But like the love in your heart, uh, that is something that we as individuals need to work on. It's the only way macro changes at, at the micro level over time. Yeah. If you're bi- if you're unhealthy as a person, then you got to start putting antibiotics in your system and things like that. You need to start eating better. Like you need to change on a micro level before your whole body feels better. Does that make sense? And as a nation, we're a body, and the people need to, to fix things. I sound like I'm preaching. I need to relax. No, I, dude, I, I get it. I get it. You know, it's um, I think it was John Stewart. Um, this was very shortly after the election, and he captured how I feel so perfectly because he said that. Um, the problem that um, a lot of folks on the left have um, is that they think somebody who votes for Trump or something like that, and they just automatically assume, like, okay, they're very clearly, like, a neo-Nazi. Right, who's exactly. racist, who hates black people, who only likes white people, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is that some of them could just be poor farmers, right, who maybe agreed with some of the economic policies that Trump stood for, right? Right. Or something like that. Um, and it's it's almost like it's kind of a, a double standard that we have where where one side is just like i don't like th- i don't like all of these people because what they do is they take people and they put them into groups and marginalize them which is kind of ironic when you think about it because you're taking a whole group of people and you're just putting you, it, lumping them all into one but one you feel justified group. because you're on the lower end exactly and also because you you're you know creating like an echo chamber for for yourself where everybody's kind of feeding like this this mm-hmm. this way of thinking it makes it so that you can't grow. That's exactly the same kind of we were talking about earlier where you feel like you're the marginalized groups. That's why we're right. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. uh, like we're the left, and I'm not saying like I don't really have a political party. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, like subscribing to, but like you same. feel like you're the left, and you're like because we're on the bottom half, we've got to be right and believing that they're all these type of people. And I'm like that's not. Really true. Like, I think we had a roommate who was Republican. What's what was his name? He came after me. The, the big big dude. Uh, he was just cool though. Uh, I can't remember his name. I'm talking about uh, Louise. Dan's house. No, Louise. Uh, not Louise. Uh, not Louise. I can't remember his name. But yeah, he was cool as hell. And I remember just being like, oh, like I don't think I never thought that he didn't like me. He just he voted a certain way, but he didn't like have anything against me. And I, I feel like we've definitely got to start looking at things. 
from an individual standpoint, we it's, have to make sure that so we hard, I mean, yeah, really, It's so hard, though. It's like it's so hard, like now, because yeah. because the stuff, because the scale of everything is is so ridiculous, almost. Yeah, right. Like, like, look personally, like like as you say that, like I like I have to disagree with you, Josh. Like, like look, if you're voting, like in my person, like I feel really strongly about this. I'm pretty liberal. Um, although, you know, I, I, it's not like, <laughs> like, as everyone's like, oh, I don't subscribe. I'm like, look, like, as much as, like, I would like to say that, I don't, like, I can't, I, there's a lot of things I can't abide with, with um, the Republicans at the moment, you know, like, whereas, like, sure, like, before 10 years ago, sure, fine. Yeah. But not now. Like, right now, I feel a lot of anger because they're not even speaking in this sort of sense, you know, like, they're not even being the ones willing to, like, be a little reflective, self reflective as a party, you know? Um, I mean, of course, you know, of course, Democrats need to be a lot more self-reflective too. receptive, things like that. reflective, like they need to like look at like what errors they've went through, you know, like and where they can be doing a lot better. There's a lot of things to be doing better in versus being a party, yada, yada. Right. Mm-hmm. Right now, I like and I uh, right now, like I just cannot like abide by um, this is probably bad to say, but this is my feeling. Like, or it's like, I don't, I can't abide by, um, the right side right now. Just, just take a minute and yeah. just anytime, maybe like hopefully anytime like, yeah. I think to myself, this is probably not the right thing to say. Yeah. Just take a minute. Yeah. Take a breath. Yeah. Really think about like, I would like people to talk to me about this, you know, maybe like there are things I'm not hearing about, you know, yeah. like, like, cause I always like try to like hear the argument, fake news. And I'm like, yeah. well, what is about it? What about it is fake? What am I missing? from like what I just heard, you know? Cause I've heard that so often. And I'm like, okay, what do you listen to? Oh, you listen to Breitbart, okay. Well, <laughs> like, well, it's like, well, how are we gonna like, cause like also that's the thing is like, we're not at the same table. We're not getting the same information, you know? Like right. we are like on totally different, um, totally different planes at the moment, you know? Like whereas like, what, what, what is like the normal plane right now? Philip DeFranco? If, I mean, I'm, yeah. if I'm going to throw yeah. anything out yeah. there, for, you know, again, not not somebody who's sponsored me or anything like that, but like, that's the only way I get my news these days is just listening to Philip DeFranco because I appreciate that he's willing to criticize, uh, you know, Trump and the and the GOP when they need to be criticized. He's also, you know, willing to, you know, say when they do something that's good. For instance, right, and he's very yeah. he's very nonpartisan. That's, that's what I appreciate. I think I think that's ideal. I, I like I really want to I guess get to that point like where we all can be like this is what happened. All yeah. right, <laughs> you know, like and so we can stop that because we aren't even there. You know, to that point yeah. right now. You know, because um, hell, like I listen to a lot of left leaning things, and I have no like I am wondering like what is it about the Trump side that is, you know, like that people are like still coming back to, you know, what is redeeming, you know, what is the world seeing about this? You know, I mean, most of the time when you talk to a lot of folks, especially depending on the demographic they're in, it's not necessarily that they condone everything, but they might just be single issue voters. There's plenty of Catholics who mm-hmm. would who voted for Trump, um, not necessarily because of who he was as a person, but because they knew where he stood on abortion, for instance. Right. Um, and again, that's kind of like the danger of just being in your silos and not taking in information you're elsewhere. Not, you're not taking politics into full. Consi- I'm sorry, I didn't want to like take your mic from you, but you're not taking. You're not looking at the big spectrum. You're looking at what you you care about. So that's what you're voting on. Um, I do. Okay, from my perspective, I'm talking from from how I look at life. I would say a big issue uh, is. I, I know you said you were angry. I would definitely be like, don't don't return the anger. Do your best not to. You could be angry. 
I think being angry is okay. There's things to be angry angry about. Absolutely. But know who you're directing your anger towards. And a lot of times it's even hard to do that. But yeah, you're right. Um, Definitely try to come back with as much... I mean, as cheesy as it sounds, come back with as much love and work on yourself. Yeah. That's all you can do. Because at the end of the day, if, if you're just angry, right? Like, let's, let's exist in, a, in the world that you exist in right now, God's will. And you're upset about something and you feel like, you know, these people who don't agree with you are essentially the enemy. Because there's very clearly very bad things that are happening to my people right now. And they're not doing anything about it, right? Just because you feel that way doesn't mean that something's going to change. It might hurt the it might hurt the case because then you become one of those angry people who ends up being, you know, you could be, they could use that against you very easily. The anger doesn't normally help people. Martin Luther King got his point across very well because of his lack of anger when he presented it to people. Uh, Malcolm X did the same thing the same time period. He did it differently. Does that make sense? And that's kind of what the whole Marvel comics, Magneto versus, uh, <laughs> honestly, and yeah. you look at it, Magneto versus uh, Professor Xavier, that's what it's all based on. Malcolm X. And the thing is, like, who do you look at as the good guy and the bad guy? I don't think it's necessarily, like, that's the thing, especially with our world. It's, it's less defined. It's, it's, it's all very gray, you know? Um, and I feel like, again, I feel like, I, I feel like a broken record saying this, but... As hard as it is right now, just because of how extreme everyone is taking everything, Mm -hmm. like, now more than ever is when you really need to, like, take that anger and just direct it in the right way and direct it towards, you know, the the folks who have the ability to do something but aren't able to do that and also take that anger in a way where you can channel it to passion, like, make it a point to, you know, talk to more people who who are different from you who maybe see things from a different perspective to see, you know, like how you can best get your point across because right now it feels like not just you but a lot of folks um, especially on the left are kind of just saying that this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong and they're just directing it to themselves and they're not doing anything to build bridges to talk with the other side who together can actually do something about what's wrong oh my god yeah. man this was a good conversation man I def- no no we're gonna we're gonna stop it now can I you reference okay fine. Go, for it. go for it get okay, in there so i'm sorry we're gonna bring it back to a nerd podcast real quick hell so, yeah uh, okay so when i was saying just talking about magneto and the professor xavier thing and what you were just explaining is exactly what happened in the comics so you have a guy who's trying to be very peaceful and he's trying to be like i i just want to build a school and this is gonna be my outlet for showing people how we'll say black people in this situation, like how we can affect the world. Like we are, you know, we do these things, here's our school. People are very like coming down, they keep coming down with laws, hey, you guys can't be this far away from the property, you guys can't, and he's like, okay, cool. And he's constantly trying to like pander to the human society. Magneto, on the other hand, thinks that's kind of weak. He's not actually a villain. If you actually look at the things he does, he doesn't, he's not robbing banks. <laughs> he's fighting for mutants. That's what he's doing. Like, he'll see a mutant get, like, whatever, and he'll go and, like, issue people to go and attack or, like, separate them from yeah. the rest of society. He's recruiting for his cause. But he's not actually a villain. But people always look at him as the villain. Now, Professor Xavier dies on some, Malcolm, or on some Martin Luther King shit. He dies in the comics. Guess who takes over? Cyclops. Cool, right? What Cyclops ends up doing is he takes, he shuts down the school. He moves it to an island where he has the rest of the mutants live on an island. And he's, he's, uh, he essentially makes it to where they're on their own, like their own little silo, like you were talking about. Like now they get their own little utopia, but they're away from the rest of the world. So what we just did is you just separated them from learning anything about the people that they're scared of. 
So what's gonna happen as the generations go on is that hatred's not gonna go away. There's gonna be a misunderstanding. And it's, it's interesting, I love comics, bro. I'm sorry. No, dude, <laughs> you, you bring up such a good point. I, I was gonna make a joke like, hashtag Magneto did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Buttons. <laughs> Well, I was trying to end the podcast, but I guess we're going to talk Maybe, a little bro. bit more. No, I mean, I mean, no. <laughs> oh my gosh, I mean, because in like, I mean, I gotta be devil's advocate again. Like, whereas, like, I feel like he did that for the safety of the mutants who were getting harassed by the people constantly, right? All right, so you're just a Magneto-ass nigga. I get it. I mean, maybe. I mean, I sort of am. It, I, at the same it. time, it's like, just as you just said, like, there's something to learn from Magneto, right? And, like, he wasn't such a bad guy. Well, why did he move people to an island, right? No, Cyclops, Cyclops did that. True. Why did Cyclops? Because I mean, Magneto was also on an island, too, wasn't he? Yeah, but, but that was my thing. No, well, Magneto did live on an island. Different island. Uh, uh, yeah. I think it's, but that's the difference. I, I feel like with Professor X, like, I feel like he was willing to fight, like, the long fight. You know, mm-hmm. the long game. The lo- play the long game, and I feel like moves like Magneto, for instance, that to me is much more like path of least resistance in some ways. Oh, know? I, like because I agree, and also I think we have like the foresight to like see that. I can sort of understand Fair. like why Cyclops would move. I imagine like things were getting so bad where he was, right? Like violence was growing. You know, Sentinels are being made, right? Well, see, and Cyclops. like they're getting like mutants are getting like taken in to like the system, you know, like and being tortured or whatever, right? I imagine like it's just getting worse and worse. Like how did Professor, Professor X die? Um, I depends, I mean, which which universe are we talking about? I mean, which universe are we talking about? Do say, you do see, say, like, there's an infinite number of realities, okay? <laughs> so Magneto, I do remember you, you ever met the black guy who's like, "We're the ultimate race. We we everyone came from Africa. We're the you know like the black the certain black guys who are like way too into just being black." That's what I kind of how Magneto looked at, and they kind of made that. They played off of that. They were like, "He's like, we're we're mutants. We're the the next level of evolution for humankind. We're supposed to be at the top of the chain. Why do they think they're like?" That's kind of what Magneto was saying all the time. You can look at that how you will. Um, with Cyclops, he he moved them down there because it was, I guess he he was becoming jaded. I remember that. He's becoming jaded because when Professor X died, that was like something he really mentored him. He was like one of the first mutants at that school. Remember that? And he was the leader of the X-Men. And it's funny because when you think of the Avengers and things like that, very rarely do they bring the X-Men in. That's throughout history. Like, yeah, Wolverine comes because he's a, he's a staple, but they, don't, they rarely bring in the X-Men because the X-Men, to everybody else in comics, Captain America's a human. You got Iron Man who's a human. When you bring them in, you're bringing in mutants. And people forget that about the... the like, it's true. Yeah, they're not, the people, they're not actually looked at as like the same as everybody else um, no matter how much they do but that's why Professor Xavier was such a passionate person when he died Cyclops lost his shit a little bit because he was playing that long game he did just show compassion to humans and mutants alike and he was constantly trying to go to board meetings I'm leaving today and I'm gonna go do this and you know whatever and I'm gonna go talk to the government about this I I agree with the way he, he did that <laughs> I would agree with Martin Luther <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about comics. I agree with what he said. No, 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 no. I mean, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's, that's I think that's what's so great about nerd culture because, like, it, it, just what you said about comedy in the like earlier in the podcast, where it shines a light in a way that hopefully we can understand it in a better way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, where you know, it's hard, hard to look at history and to sort of be like, uh, you know, to be like sides because people write the history books, right? You know, the winners, right? Because but like, real. if you the put Civil it, Civil War wasn't about slavery. You know, what I mean, let's be real. 
<laughs> I'm just playing with you. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. I'm just saying. Man. I just forgot my point. Man. <laughs> when, I, I met somebody. Dude, oh, I met boy. somebody who, who like, felt that way. Yeah. And, and I was just like, I was like. I was like, this is real right here, right? Like, it's like, like as much as you're joking. Yeah. People. People. But that's, the, again, that's what happens when you leave somebody to their, to, you know, with no exposure to anybody else, except for people who think like them, is that they get. Man, they get so <laughs> twisted in the brain that they're like creating like revisionist history for themselves, and it's Bro, wild. It, it man. was just about efficiency in business. Have you taken a business class? It's about efficiency. You mean slavery? <laughs> like Jesus Christ? Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no you're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Overall, this is some really good conversation that we all had right now. Like, yeah. I, like I, this. Thank you so much for coming through. I, I didn't mean for it to get so dark and so. I guess emotional in a sense. Yeah, I, honestly, right. I jumped in. And I was, I was like, all right, well. Yeah. I, mean, I, I thought we were just gonna talk about like music, yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Like right. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're like, oh, what's happening in the world of games? But this was a really good conversation, and I just want to thank you one more time for coming through and for talking with of us course. for so long about this. <laughs> yeah, and thank you, Josh, for for you know all the points you brought on. Cool. I'm, the, I'm being appreciated. Although you made it longer, but <laughs> like honestly, it was a really good podcast, and I've learned quite a bit already. I've just been writing notes myself. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, hope you come on some more too. Just let me know. Dope. Just let me know. It was a good Dope. time. I'll see you're good at speaking too. I was just like, man, he just sounds so he good. Says, he says everything. He explained Jordan Peterson so much better than I did in that second podcast we did. Because when I said it, I sounded like a bumbling fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he came in here with the perfect words. So what happened was, and he hit the points immediately. I was like, ah, so, uh, and, I, and no one agreed with me. <laughs> I don't think yeah, I agreed with Yeah, no, I, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I feel what you're talking about, He's but so, I don't think you should say that right now very clearly i I love it and that's why i was so excited to have him back um (laughs) yeah definitely thank you so much for joining us um anything you want to plug or anything you want to say last words what can they follow you baby uh you can follow me on twitter at jvark1990 um i'm gonna be getting into um some content creation tied to streaming and whatnot so um get get stoked for all that it's gonna be it's gonna be good times um, I'm also taking uh, some bookings for 2019, not just for esports events, but for conferences as well. So um, if you have like a gaming event that you need a commentator for or a conference that you need a speaker or panel moderator for, uh, feel free to hit me up at my website, HireJV.com. That boy is fire. He's the best investment you will ever have. Dope. Well, thank you so much for coming through. Anything you want to say, Josh? Uh, you know what? It's going to be the same thing that normal. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, this is going to be the last time I plug it. No, go ahead. But still, if you have depression, go talk to your friends. Don't isolate yourself. It's not the best move to make. I can say that alone. Um, it will make you feel a certain way. It will make you feel like people are talking about you and everything else. I need you to go talk to your friends. <laughs> Stay with the people you love. Tell them about it. Talk to them about it. If they love you, they will still be there for you. Don't worry about it. You're not actually crazy. All right? That's me. That's really good. Thank you so much. Hey, this was a great podcast. Hope to have you back very soon. Please, everyone, like, share, comment. Tell us what you like about this. Tell us what you don't like. Tell me if you don't agree with me or, you know, you agree with me or whatever, right? Like, I love hearing what people have to say about this podcast because we want to learn. We bring people on here to learn about new perspectives. And, hey, you can be on this podcast. Talk to us about a totally different perspective. Maybe you totally don't agree with what I just said and you want to talk to us about it as long as you're cool about it. Come on. It'll be a dope puppet. Go. Dope conversation well everyone stay dope come back for the next podcast we're trying to get faster with this thank you peace